slash and cast. Welcome, fiends, to Handle a Whisker, presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias they emphasize. Uh, tonight, we are continuing our Plutophobia deep dive, which is the fear of wealth. And as you can see, uh, we do have a returning guest this week. So back with us yet again is Zombie Greenhouse. How are you doing, man? doing great man thanks again for having me this is such a i've told you before and i won't gush but this is just such a fun platform to do this and i i just love your framework it's just so fun the phobia thing is just so cool absolutely and uh you know we've we've had some absolutely tremendous picks for the fear of wealth and uh that's going to continue this week uh with the people under the stairs which uh this is one that i this is like one of the first vhs movies i rented when i was a kid uh, definitely one that has stuck with me throughout the years, but it had been a long time since I actually sat down to watch this. Uh, a lot, a lot of uh, running gags with the with the gimp suit throughout our Twisted Tuesday stream, which uh, it was kind of expected. And I was laughing so hard during the credits when I saw like the the leather work done by <laughs> like nice. message. So it's like, oh god, oh great, perfect. Bob knows where he can get a suit now, so you know he can uh, contact them. All that good stuff, uh, but. Looking forward to diving in tonight, but of course, as you can see as well, we're joined by my regular co-host. We have Holly Hooch and John. Guys, how are you doing tonight? Good. Good. That's all. <laughs> just, just good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, we were, yeah, we were, we were catching up for a bit uh, on the pre-show, and you know, as I said, like it has been. A very busy week for the genre. Uh, a lot of announcements hidden the past couple of days, uh, even up to today. Uh, we know that the next Evil Dead movie is not releasing on HBO Max. It's actually getting a theatrical release in April. Uh, we have the Hellraiser reboot uh, by David Bruckner coming out on Hulu. Uh, the same weekend that Terrifier 2 comes out in theaters, unrated. We got a Killer Clouds game on the way next year, and it's just like I I felt so overwhelmed like the past couple of days with just the amount of news that we've got that I'm looking forward to, uh, and you know for the most part, you know I'm I'm really anxious about that Killer Clowns game. I opted in for the beta. Hopefully, we'll hear back at some point for that. But uh, if you're a fan of horror movies, you were eating good. Uh, this week for sure and uh i was sent i sent over that trailer for the american remake of goodnight mommy i did watch the trailer <gasps> i haven't seen that i mean the original is... the the house is basically identical but you know the field uh, I, i'm not i'm not i'm not sure about the kid actor in this one no i i actually felt the same way as you i thought the kid actor was a little like just a little too soft for my taste, mm-hmm. and then not that I eat children. Uh, not like Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> What's his name? Uh, see, what, what is he? He's a Homelander. 
Are no. you talking about? Isn't it the same kid from oh, no, the I was boys? Talking about the last movie, how they ate babies uh... in the last movie. <laughs> I was doing a callback to the previous episode. Sorry, I got a little mixed up. But I kind of messed it up because I said cat. I said well, that, 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 that was two episodes ago. Uh, Chris, uh, Chris Evans, yeah, from Snowpiercer. Mm-hmm. I get it now. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> totally oh, right. Naomi Watts in the remake, but it doesn't have that cold, sterile feel that the original had, which was really <laughs> a big contribution to the movie. So I'm not, I'm not totally sold on it. Yeah, it's it's weird too because like normally when we see an American remake, it's right out of the gate after you know the initial one comes out to have like such a long gap is actually very surprising for you know an, an American remake here. Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. When it comes to the American remakes of things, I mean, generally by the time their credits are rolling on the first theatrical release of the source material, there is some American guy going, oh, we're going to make this again. Mm-hmm. Um, they did it with, they did it with um, uh, what was it, Train to Busan, and then it just kind of disappeared. So I haven't, you know, I'm anxious to see what they can do with that movie because that movie was so good. I don't think that, I don't think that we as our, I don't think we had the chops to pull it off. Nope. But I, I, I'm, if it, I'm if hoping anything like the old boy remake. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Just yeah. uh, we Spike. we're really we're really good at taking great source material and then just shitting the bed colossally. We are great at that. Uh, hopefully that's not the case, but we'll see. We'll see. And then as far as Terrifier goes, I, for me. My only thought is how far am I going to have to drive to see this? <laughs> because mm-hmm. I'm going to. I just <laughs> if I if I have to road trip it, so be it. Let's just I just to see to see Art the Clown in the theater. I mean that's when it comes to horror, that's such like a monumental step forward. Um, and you know, pretty sure we were talking about theaters and how well they're not doing and all the all the tricks that they're playing to try to get people to come back to the theater. Um, I think that the general, we'll call it the the cinema companies in general, I think that they, because you have movies like uh, Top Gun Maverick and you have the Thor movies and all these things like that. And that's great. They bring in people to the box office and whatever else. I don't think people really understand the the level and the loyalty that horror people have for movies. And when you put something like, the terrifier two in a theater. Uh, my hope is that the people that love horror come out and just pack the theaters for this thing, mm-hmm. just pack it and prove to these people that not only are we not the weirdos that they all think that we are, um, uh, that, that we, we, we have, we have some money <laughs> to varying degrees. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We, we have, we have some money we're willing to spend it. And if you will give me some of the things that I love on the big screen, I will show up and I will yeah. show up. We're people, as I said, but our money's green. <laughs> exactly. But also it's no, like, uh, isn't it kind of like horror movies have always been the big, the good theater movies because they're cheap to make. And then you put them in the theater and people go see them. It's not like Marvel movie where it costs, you know, a billion dollars to make the movie and then it has to do good in the theater. At least with horror, like people like to go see them and they're cheap to make. So it's sort of a win-win, you know? And even when the story's not great, at least you're going to have jump scares to get you through it. Mm-hmm. They Potentially. Uh, 
But yeah, so like again, like even like in theaters this week, we have the invitation coming out uh, for like the newest genre release. But uh, on Terrifier too, you know, like I, I when I saw that, I was like, holy shit! Like because we haven't seen an unrated like horror flick since Hatchet came out in theaters, and that that was a huge controversy at the time too. So I, I love the fact that we are just completely uh, bypassing the MPA <laughs> and releasing this unrated because you can't. You need to release it in its full glory, otherwise um, it's going to be a lot harder yeah. to actually get the fans out to the theaters for this. Well, and, and like you mentioned the MPAA, it's like there, there's no reason for that organization to exist. And I think theaters would definitely benefit by sort of ignoring ratings and not thinking about that stuff and just put stuff in the theater and, and people will go see it. Like, it's just... It's already the MPA is already irrelevant because of streaming, where people can they can stream whatever they want, and so yeah, I yeah. think it's just like yep. put those X-rated movies in the theater. You know, they're obviously not porn, but they're not. But who's gonna be the judge, John? <laughs> who's gonna be the judge? I mean, that's like one imagine... man's porn is another man's Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah, surgery is a new sex. You got to remember mm-hmm. that. Crimes of the future. Well, the MP- the MPA in general, though, I mean, it was it was created and it, it exists solely to replace parenting. That's what it does. And I mean, let's be honest here. Growing up, I definitely went out and bought a ticket to go see Gremlins and then went and saw an R-rated horror movie because I was just that slick. That's what I did. Um, <laughs> I think I think kids these days probably still do that. Um, but I think they also get to the box office and just go, here's my, I saw it when I went and saw the orphan. I, I, in front of me was a group of teenage kids that was trying to get into some R-rated movie and they were trying to like show their library <laughs> cards and their, and it's like, okay guys, you got to think this shit out. Yeah. You go and do it. Just buy a ticket to something else. And then after that, nobody cares what you walk into, but they, they have that moment where it's like, they have to sort of show the man beforehand. <laughs> and it's like, just, just skip all that. Just skip all that shit and just buy it. Buy a ticket to the Minions movie and then go see whatever you want to see. I mean, it just be. You know, you say that, but Um, I used to work in a movie theater and I was in college while I was working in this movie theater. And of course, there was a bunch of teenagers in there as well. (laughs) There's a couple of older, mean teenagers that we would keep an eye out for kids doing that. They would come up and try to buy a movie ticket to something, you know, R rated, and then they'd come back and buy the Disney movie ticket. and And then I'd go, Theater six, go get him. <laughs> These two older meaner teenagers are like, yeah, man, we're on it. <laughs> yeah. Well, sure, but but I mean, but that's the hard part with teenagers that they're still stupid and they still don't understand how to sit back and not make any noise. Mm-hmm. They don't. That they don't true. understand. Like when I was when I was fourteen years old and snuck into my brother and I once snuck into the, we we I forget what the ticket was, but we snuck into the movie House, the original movie House, and it was like. There's all these people making all this noise and doing other things. We, we knew enough to just be like, yeah, yep, in the corner, don't well. make any. Yeah. Well, and also, and sit down and be quiet because <laughs> then you don't get kicked out. Totally. And even aside from buying a ticket and then, uh, you know, buying the one ticket and going to the R rated movie instead, we used to also, when we were young teens, you would just buy the ticket to go in, and then we would just stay in the theater and watch yeah, like two or three day. movies yeah. the whole day. You know? I've done that before. So, mm-hmm. yep. 
Yeah. You gotta learn those <laughs> those techniques. Yeah, but then you end up watching movies you didn't intend to watch. I remember once having to squeeze in a drama in between like two comedies, and I was like, "Man, that was really intense." Yeah, I think it was like the debaters about. Like these little like African American kids like you know trying to go debate with like these like white kids and then like oh my gosh mm-hmm. it was so sad but then it had a good ending but you know what I mean where it's like well yeah that was you know that was intense you know, let's go yeah Holly oh, leaves the movie and she's like man I really need a good laugh right now and then she just sneaks into another comedy oh yeah see we used to we used to do that too and then I saw Born on the Fourth of July in theaters and I was really young and I walked out of that one. <laughs> Like super confused and not what was I, I didn't know what was yeah. going on. Like I, like I had so many questions, and it was like we used to have a thing when I was younger that mom, my mom, and then some of her best friends would go to movies and they would bring us with and they would say, "Okay, here's some money, find something that's appropriate for you." And so we would buy a ticket and then we would go to the least appropriate thing for us, and. For some reason, Born on the Fourth of July, I don't know why exactly, but it was one of those movies where it was like I walked out and I was just like, I have so many questions. Um, could could some f- people from the era come and talk to me so I can understand what I just saw? Um, mm-hmm. And to this day, still love that movie. So, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it, I think to John's point, I don't think I don't think the MPAA really has a place anymore. I think people just need to parent their kids and talk to their kids um short of like pornography oh, i mean yeah, okay pornography is not is not is I mean, not they're, for they're, kids. they're gonna find it on its own you know on their own eventually well, it's called so. the it, it's called the <laughs> internet <laughs> i mean i can 98 percent. Mm-hmm. yeah exactly but i think if but i think if, if parents are are paying attention and doing their job the mpa doesn't have a place um it other than maybe giving people an idea of what they might be walking into, whether they want to walk into it or not is kind of up to them. Um, but at the same time, we, with the way the internet is now and the way things, I mean, it's one more group that time is made irrelevant. Well, you know, I mean, they just, not to mention the fact that uh, parents will still, it's like, it's not just kids sneaking into R rated movies. Parents will bring young kids into R rated movies. Uh-huh. I still mm-hmm. remember to this day seeing um, the uh, I, the mm-hmm. name just flew out of my head. Um, the Paul Verhoeven sci fi bugs versus humans movie. Um, you know, uh, would you like to know more? Uh, Starship Troopers. Starship. I saw that in the yeah. theater, and right in front of me was a parents with a very young child who was probably around eight or so. <laughs> and by about the third act of the movie, the kid just stood up and ran out of the theater, bawling. <laughs> Starship Troopers is not even that bad, though. It's pretty bad. It was during the scene where, uh, remember at the end when they get trapped with the the brain bug? And the the one guy is, like, pinned to the ground with the bug thing going through his shoulder. Okay. And it's like, and they, I think, suck the brain out of somebody. Oh, yeah. There's some stuff, but there's a lot of carnage, especially in the end of that movie. It's a rated R movie, actually, even though it kind of seems not. But, but yeah, no. But parents bring their kids into weird, inappropriate movies, anyways. Some, some. (laughs) 
Uh, parenting's hard. That's why there's so many jerks walking around. Yeah. Hey, I mean, well, sure, but I drop them off, see... you know, so yeah. we'll just see the daycare. But well, I think we all saw horror movies when we were kids, right? <clears throat> In fact, oh, I remember oh, yeah. watching Nightmare mm-hmm. on Elm Street and I had a sleepover <laughs> when I was like, <laughs> you know, I think I was like 10 or something when I first saw it. I watched uh, The People Under the Stairs at my first sleepover. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, so we've got a good memory movie uh-huh. tonight. Awesome. And uh, we awesome. talked about this last week. Uh, I mentioned that I hadn't watched it since I was... A little kid, and I must have watched it when I was like 11 or 12 because it was a sleepover movie. It came out in 91, right? I would have been 10, so really I must have seen it either when I was 11 or 12. And um, the movie really got to me. I thought it was really scary, and I hadn't seen it until like <laughs> since. Basically. I hadn't seen it since, actually. Yeah. Because I remember thinking, like, oh no, that movie made me so uncomfortable. I don't want to see that. And so, of course, I watched it again for, for uh, this review, and I figured it out. It was the first time I'd seen a gimp suit with really heavy uh, sexual overtones and incest, you know, incest overtones. And that, oh, yeah, that left me kind of twisted at, you know, 11 years old. So, <laughs> watching it now, it's not as much, of course, but, uh, but I was like, oh, it's, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, it, they do. Obviously, we could get into it more, but... It's they really do have there is like a big sex component of this movie and yet it sort of weirdly oh, yeah. straddles this line where it doesn't delve like too deeply into the sex right. part of it but it's there you know and it's cut pretty strong on the surface right I mean between the implied relationship between brother and sister couple that we have and then mm-hmm. there's that very quick little scene where um, and that's sorry to jump ahead but when uh, the fake daughter is, you know, tied up, and uh, oh, yeah. and Daddy's yeah. looking for for uh, Point Dexter. I refuse to call him fool. <laughs> and uh, and she's like, please, please cut me down, Daddy. And then he grabs his dick, and then like his sister's like, Daddy. Oh yes, yeah, like, oh, the crotch no. rub. <laughs> and she's like, now, yeah, I just, yeah, that. For for a 1990s horror movie that does not show you a single boob, no doesn't really doesn't really show you. I mean, I, this is like 1938. Look at her calves, kind of movie. It, it really is. <laughs> they don't show you anything. There is a hypersexual component mm. to this that just leeches into the well, entire it's the movie, too, for sure. and you you can't get away from it. And I think we but, mentioned this a little yeah. bit in the last episode, but this is the first famous gimp suit in cinema, I believe. This predates Pulp Fiction. Although they both have Ving Rhames. It does. Yep. Yeah, and they both have Ving Rhames. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like? Well, but even, but even, and it's funny because our characters, they never give them names. They're just right. man and woman. There's, there's yeah, never any names. But even the man, the man highlights the like the the inadequacies of the gym suit because he's going through there and there's a point where he's like I can't see shit out of this. <laughs> it's like he rips the mask off and he's like yeah okay. I mean the gym suit seems like a good idea in concept yeah, but it's yeah. like yeah practicality. And you know not the so whole uh, power and the magic <laughs> behind the gym suit is all in the mask because once he takes off that sucker then I'm like you know it doesn't look bad. <laughs> 
not a bad look. <laughs> <laughs> What's well, yeah, once the mask is off, you're just an asshole in spiked leather. And you're just weird. Yeah, that's it. You know? <laughs> when you have the gym suit on, you're... Now you're a monster. You, you got a persona. <laughs> you're a monster. You got yeah. a persona. You're <laughs> not... Well, no, but that's the thing, right? It's like, not to delve too deeply into the, like, psychological aspect, but the gimp suit is sort of meant to be, like, a dehumanizing kind right. of thing. It's like a BDM kind yes. of thing. So that's kind of the purpose of it. Yeah, he's, like, no longer daddy. Now he's yeah. going to yeah. kill he's somebody. Just, now he's going to hurt somebody. He's the gimp. So, uh, right. And should how should we approach this one? Because I already want to talk about all the key stuff, but I don't know if we want to go... Uh, Step like by step, step like we usually do, yeah. Do. I'm open for anything. I'll say really quick. Well, I mean, we, we, we should say to some degree that this is based on a true story. That's well, true. at least, like, really? what, what specific <laughs> detail of it. Uh, so, basically, like, this took place in, like, the late 70s in L.A., and you basically had, uh, you know, a couple of burglars who broke into a house in a B&E, uh, and, you know, when the cops showed up, you know, they discovered that uh, the two children were basically, like, locked in the basement of the house. Oh. So, you know, they, they kind of, like, directly took that idea, um, at least in regards to just, like, locking people in the basement. But obviously, like, in this movie, it's much more fleshed out and just, you know, the, the, how everything ties into the story plays out much differently uh, in this it's funny how uh, in that story and in this, it's like instantly the burglars are the good guys when you find that you've d broken into a house where they're like kidnapping kids and storing them it's in the basement. all about a, what <laughs> do you call it, perspective degrees, or degrees? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I think they did a really good job, by the way, with Ving Rhames right away, even in the beginning of the movie. Where he's like a bad guy, but he's, but he's also a good guy, and yeah. you like him, and he's he has really. Well. But he has kind of a weird relationship with the kid, where like they kind of like each other and get along. Like he's kind he's of mentorish a little bit, kid. but he's so strict and mean. Mm -hmm. But then again, like uh, there's that quick little scene where um, uh, Point Dexter or Dexter or Fool, whichever way we want to call him, he's gone in a Boy Scout outfit, which incidentally, yeah. he's 13, but he's kind of small for 13, right? So yeah, so he goes in a, in a Boy Scouting outfit to try to get close to the house and get information to to assess out the joint, basically. Scope it out, and he tells, and he gives him information, hey, there's locks on the outside, it looks very secure, blah, blah, blah. And then Spencer? Spence? Is that Big Rame's character? No, no, the other guy. Oh, the other guy, yeah. Yeah, he's like, oh, I'm going to go in, and, and, and Ming Rams is like, don't be an idiot. You know, he already told us what we need to know. So what I'm trying to get at is that he has some level of respect for the kid and his intelligence. Mm -hmm. And so you, you, there's these positive qualities that come out about mm -hmm. him. Although ultimately, um, and even at the end, you know, when he gets taken down, he's he's warning him to run to try to get away. So. Yeah, run, fool. <laughs> I thought for sure they that were was... doing that sort of... <laughs> planting the seed thing when Ving Rhames says that not everyone who's like lying on the ground is dead. Yeah. I thought for sure that they were going to do something but they where he yeah. wasn't dead. And then, yeah, they did. I was like, ah, oh, they should have had it be like he was still alive yeah. or something, you know. But, uh, Call back if you will. But th this is definitely, I saw this also like T, I saw this video rental back 
in the day and uh, the last the last time I've seen it. And I definitely didn't know who Ving Rhames was when I Me first either. saw it. Me either. And when I first saw it, I hadn't seen Twin Peaks yet. Right. So I didn't know about, you know, what are, uh, <laughs> Wendy and, and mm. Garrett? No. Well, that, yeah, I had that funny realization yeah. of like, uh, I was like, I knew he was from Twin Peaks. And then I was like, and they were married crap. to Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> She's wife. Everett. 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 Yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Yep. She just has an yep. eye patch in Twin Everett. Peaks. Yep. Yes, that's right. And uh, and he's a good guy. Well, she's, she's yeah, kind she's of kind good. Of she's kind of, well, she's, good. He, she's crazy and he's, he's in nice. a, in a, he's in a bad spot. He's a mm-hmm. good guy, but who's in love with somebody else mm-hmm. who ends up, Having to stay with his wife because he accidentally shoots her in the eye, which is why she's wearing the eye patch. <laughs> so anyway, like, uh, and that has a lot to. Cool. I mean, uh, there was there's plenty of uh, information out there about how it was their performance in Twin Peaks that really got them the part the parts in this particular movie. And while they can be considered character actors, and like, man, they're absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. There's also quite a bit of reviews that didn't quite get them. Mm-hmm. And there's something to be said about the fact that he took these two David Lynch characters and basically they they went with the same energy, the same weirdness that they performed in, performed with in Twin Peaks and even in like the world of David Lynch and put it into this, you know, you know, this this new story. And I do see how there's a little bit of like to have these two characters be so over the top and then have everything else be so like you know, 90s taupe, with the exception of Ving Rhames, who's actually just, he. I think he really matches their, their energy as well. Mm-hmm. I, I thought that maybe there's like a little bit more that could have been done there, but I still love them so much because I'm a big David Lynch fan. Mm-hmm. No, sure, but like Everett McGill, I mean, it, it was one of those things where I started watching this movie and like, and this is just, this is just what I do. This is what Grindhouse tells. I go, where have I seen him before? Um, and as I'm watching, I'm watching, and then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. I had that aha moment. He was the he was the priest yeah. in Silver Bullet, mm-hmm. the preacher, and it was like, oh, of course, of course, and that makes so much sense. But he's been in a bunch of other things too. He was in Heartbreak Ridge. He was in Dune. He was in mm-hmm. Quest for Fire. He was in he was like the like almost the top bad guy in Under Siege too. So I mean, he's yeah. done a lot of things. But but to your point, he has been a character actor, yeah, forever. And it, it's so funny that he gets into this movie and same thing with Wendy Roby that they're in these movies and they don't even have names. They're just mm-hmm. man and woman. And That's all they are. Yeah. I mean, he's called, he's called, he's called man. He's called the landlord. He's called daddy. He's, uh, he, he's never called right. Bob or anything like ever, you know? So, I mean, that's kind of a, character actor but at the same time it's like a, a lot of like his performance and mm-hmm. certainly hers too carry carry this film okay. throughout the whole thing he's also know? i gotta point out yeah. he's in the first dirty harry movie oh. he plays like the zodiac serial killer guy and he's also the dad in hellraiser holy shit that guy gets around yeah he's in so much uh he's and almost everything he does is good too is the weird thing i don't think he's been in any bad movies really and I love how uh, yeah. at one point uh, <laughs> Dexter calls. He's like, "There's a man in there the size of Detroit." <laughs> that was such yeah. a good yeah. line because he's tall. Yeah. I forgot to look up 
Dexter, but I know I've seen him in he something else. Did he was a he was doing a lot in the nineties. Yeah. He was in Mighty Ducks. Okay. He was in. Uh, he played like a child version of Michael Jackson. Oh, like in the commercials. Yeah, like in the remake of Beat It. I think it was. Oh, it was yeah. Kids, the video. A lot of TV yeah. stuff. Yeah. And um, yep. he, yeah, he did a bunch, and then I, I don't, and then I was like, yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Because I remember him being in all these like movies that I was watching when I was like eleven and twelve, and that child actor thing. Mm-hmm. And he was really good in the movie too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so let's not forget, though, that this movie is written and directed by none other than... Wes Craven, of course. Wes Craven. Anyone? There we go. Wes Craven, yeah. So, and, and when it starts, and it starts, it has that opening with the tarot reading, and, and she's going through, and she's, and she's reading the card, and they get, they get stuck on the, mm-hmm. the Fool card, which is where, where, where Fool gets his nickname. Um, interesting thing to me about that, when they're looking at the Fool character, the Fool character is actually female. But then it has like a dog yipping at his feet in the card. Um, and if you going forward into the movie, it's like if you follow that, it's like, yeah, well, exactly. But to me, it's like, it's sort of like a premonition of like, I mean, he's the fool, but he's not actually the character in the card. He's more an outside character that is like saving mm-hmm. Alice with this dog nipping at her heels the whole time, you know? And then, you know, he's talking to his sister and it, she's calling him a fool, but it's not really. It's not really an, in, an insult. She's talking. That's she's like more like a, you just don't have the experience. Yeah, you don't have the experience yet. So you're not you're not stupid. You just don't know yet. So you're just you're right. green, right? You're green. You're coming into the world. You're green as hell. And um, you know. And then I'm just gonna say really quick. Oh, that's no, an actual ahead, tarot thing because I, I know a tiny bit about yes. tarot, yep. but the fool in tarot is not like you were saying. Not a stupid character it's someone who's just like naive and inexperienced basically but they're not like dumb exactly yeah and that's what ruby says to him and she's not a fool because you're not a fool because you're stupid you're a fool Mm -hmm. because you're inexperienced and what you do is you go into the light and in this case the light is the sun and you get burned by the light but you come out the other side having burned away all the parts that are a boy and you come Mm -hmm. out as a man and so I think he really takes that to heart, especially when, um, you know, you have the sick mother and all these things going on. And then he meets the character Leroy, who is like, hey, you know, might be time for you to man up a little bit. And he's like, well, why would I need to do that? And he's like, "Um, you're getting evicted. And then, you know, the landlord has all this fine print about you got to pay triple if you're late and all this other stuff. And he's like, well, you want to earn some money? And the kid's like, yeah, you know, and then. As soon as they get into that, then you jump into this scene where there's a guy sitting by, and it's, I shouldn't call him a guy. I should call him the man because he's, he's man, but he's sitting in front of the fireplace and he's just, he's just sawing on this piece of beef. And then, but when you get to look at it and see it, it's actually a human rib cage that he's cutting meat off of, you know, and he's sitting there and you hear this like crunching sound and he just goes and says, damn buckshot. And it's like, Oh, wow. Okay. And then, but that's kind of like, that's like their little teaser they give you. And it's like, you sort of, I mean, it gives you a little bit of an idea, but you're like, I still don't know what the hell is going on. And then they, they pop back over to fool and fools walking down the street and he's walking through this drug house and there's just junkies and all this nasty shit everywhere. Um, and this is where Leroy says, Hey, your mom's got cancer. 
You're not going to be a doctor because you can't even. And this goes through all these things. And, and a lot of these things to me anyway, like currently are like almost kind of pokes at our system. Like even from back then, like pokes at our system where how can people not like afford these things? And through all the generational growing that our system has gone through, I would almost say that it's probably worse now than it was then. Um, and people still can't afford this stuff. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's just freaking ridiculous. Um, but then he's, you know, Leroy is like, Hey, I found this, what he calls the treasure map, which they found by, they robbed a liquor store and they, they found all this information. And again, still never names this guy, calls him the landlord, um, but says, Hey, this guy's got some, he's got some gold coins that he's looking to, looking to sell or do whatever else. And he's like, we should go in there and uh, you know, it's we should really run interesting that, that he's talking about how he doesn't have a name. He's only identified by the different, I don't know, the, the, the different sort of uh, characters that he plays in people's lives. I mean, he's being dehumanized just like the Gimpson is doing to him. So mm -hmm. it's kind of an ongoing theme for sure. Mm -hmm. They're not human. They're, they're feeding off of like, you know, communities and they're faceless and nameless. And, and you're kind of, Oh, good. I think I was they make a very good point of, of 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 delineating the characters down the middle, where you have man and woman, and on the other side of it, you have Leroy, you have Spencer, you have Fool, you have Alice, you have Ruby the sister, and so they they draw a, what I think is a pretty solid line in the sand. I mean, because I hate to say it, Prince. even the dog has a name. It's Prince. Yeah, like. But the people that own the dog and mind the dog and own the house have no names. They're, I mean, it's nothing. kind of like the story so. is all from their perspective. And it's like them in their neighborhood. And that's kind of like a real thing where it's like you live in an area and it's like, oh, you know, those people who live in that house down the way, like they're like super rich and they never come out of their house and you don't know really anything about them or anything. You That's don't even true. know their names or anything. They're just like these weird people or like these uh, these weird rich people who have a mansion, you know. And so that it's like, I think that's kind of what it is in a way is that the whole story is from their perspective, and the and to kind of go with the theme of the um, fear of rich people and everything they're just like this kind of entity, you know, like society, mm -hmm. the movie and sort of like Patrick Bateman, as we talked about, like they're kind of like the monsters that are like the wealthy and elite who can do whatever they want to whoever they want. And it's, you know, it's like, you don't need mm -hmm. to know their names. Like they're ah, just, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like, they're those people over there. Oh, that's a that's a great point. That's a great point. I hadn't thought of it like that. Well, and the weirdest part too is it's like as soon as somebody, you know, they try the I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but but they try like the bear scout thing, you know, and then eventually Spencer gets into the house and there are a lot of parts of this house that are just <laughs> gross. I mean they're just the dead flies in that My weird question, kitchen okay. where it's like yeah you got it this daughter you got like, this free labor like you're not gonna clean up the house like that doesn't make a lot of sense what do you do all day make fucking dolls exactly yeah, they yeah. Clean. do better yeah <laughs> I guess it's a very big house 
This movie also made yeah. me feel like, just as a mm-hmm. general thing, had like a, a, a sort of gothic, like, 1800s feel to it, where, like, this movie could have taken place in a huge English manor house. Oh, for sure, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you know how in the stories there's always... I. Yeah, I think it almost did, John. I think yeah, it really it almost did. I, I mean, if you look at the few shots that they show from outside looking away from the house, I mean, the, a lot of the stuff, what you see is like a, a really well-lit cityscape. And going to this house, it was like, there's a giant mm-hmm. garden pool in the backyard. And there's a, I mean, yeah, I think you I think you nailed it there. I mean, and it's those, it's almost going back in time. Always, mm-hmm. It's only missing oh, a moat. <laughs> I uh, said so it's only missing a moat because, like, yeah, no, I know it almost has the moat. Remember, he jumps in the water, and then uh, the uh, the girl tells him that they put rocks and bottles <laughs> in there so he couldn't <laughs> jump in there again. So that's the first thing you did drain it. Yeah, yikes! But in those mm-hmm. old, like, gothic British stories, you always have like the wealthy family where the there's dilapidated like the, mansion in the dilapidated mansion and but, there's like yeah. the crazy kids who are locked in the room <laughs> kind of thing, you know. And there's usually quite a little bit of a incest in those movies yeah, as well. Yeah, definitely. Careful. Well, and that's always a mystery to me because it's like you, you were supposedly so well off and so wealthy, but yet your house is yeah. somehow magically a shithole. It's like you can't, you can't, you, you can't pay some... You know, farmer next door, their kids to like slap a coat of paint on this damn place. Like I mean, I just, yeah, it's always just, uh, yeah. just, you just hoard the wealth. You don't yeah, use it yeah. for anything. You just hoard it, you know? Right. So not only do they not want to Well, that, hold on. That's that's not necessarily true. Daddy just uses all the gold coins in Dayton. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I know, seriously. Uh, you know they jump <laughs> on the I would, I would do that. I would totally, if I had gold coins, I would bait in them. Absolutely. I'm not sure how clean I get, but I would absolutely bait them. They're going to form a solid mass. Damn right. <laughs> and I got to say, like, <laughs> I don't, no, you're not going to, I can't, I mean, I got some heat going on here, but I can't melt gold. Okay. So the gold <laughs> no. story line is definitely kind of funny and cool. Like the treasure map and finding the gold coins weirdly sort of and the house sort of weirdly felt Goonies-esque a little bit. Okay. Well, it has all the mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Yeah, what do you yes. call them? Uh, yep. uh just yep. the traps and uh, yeah, the, the traps false and stuff. False yeah. doors and yeah. Yeah, trick doors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well and when they when they introduce you sort of to the mother or the woman, we'll call her the woman. And then you know, she's walking in that room, and then you see. This is when you, when you first see, um, you first see, mm. you first see. No, you first see Alice sitting at her little table, um, and you know she has a little water glass in her plate. The mom takes the plate, and then the mom's like, "You didn't lick this, did you?" And she's like, "Well, no, of course not." And then you know she's like, "Do you love your mother?" And she's like, "Yes, I, I love you, mom." And she has yeah. to go through this little routine of like trying to prove her loyalty, and it's just. It's almost honestly nauseating, but then it's like she goes, "Where's your fork?" And she's like, "Well, I must have dropped it." And she's going around and she's looking for it. And then all of a sudden, you see the little heating vent flap pop up, and the hand comes out with the fork, and it's like, and the hand is green and has long nails and just looks. And you're like, "Oh, okay." So here's our first glimpse of the people under the stairs. Um, and this movie is interesting in the way that it, it's, it's called the people under the stairs. So you've got to think that they're the bad guys. They're the sinister figure in this whole thing. And the reality of this movie is 
they're not even remotely. I mean, it's, they show you shots. Um, you know, they, well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. So I'm not gonna, I'm looking at my notes and I'm like, there's, there's, there's a couple of spots here where we got to follow what we're talking about because, you know, the mom talks about the punishment for losing silverware. And then the man comes in and says, Oh, there was a robbery at the liquor store. And he, he says some words that I'm not going to repeat. Um, and then he, then he's like, I'm very tense from this, you know? And, and the woman just says, mm-hmm. don't bruise her face. You know, and then he's like, bad girls burn in hell. And it's like the burn yeah. in hell thing sort of becomes, it, it's almost, it almost goes from a mantra to a running <laughs> gag to the whole mm-hmm. thing. It's like, and they just get so, they're just so hung up on it, you know? Um, then you, you can kind of jump forward to everyone's like casing the place, right? And then that's when we see our bear scout for the first time and he's trying to sell these cookies. And this lady is just like, you know what? I just go away, just go the hell away. But Alice sees him through, and, and you don't know her name. I mean, you kind of know her name is Alice, but you kind of don't, but she sees him through the window and he kind of catches a glimpse of her, but she disappears. Um, and then Leroy and fool are in the van now because the bear scout thing didn't work. But Spencer has this trick to be like the gas man. He's going to, you know, and there's an emergency and the, <clears throat> One of the lines, and I, it's funny, even in writing my notes, I sort of blanked this out, but I, but I know what it means. And he's like, you know, uh, Leroy and Fuller talking and, and he's like, well, what if he's going to do this? And what if he's going to do that? And he's like, there's about a much chance of that as the president make me, making me secretary of pussy. And it was just like, <laughs> at that line, it was just like, I, being, being 2020, I just kind of <laughs> went, oh, wow. But at the same time, it was kind of funny. It was kind of, I mean, and this, this movie is full of those like really great one-liners that I think a lot of the early nineties, early to like mid nineties horror was full of where they just, they'd hit you with this zinger one-liner and you just kind of, either you shook your head or you laughed or maybe a combination of the two, but it was just like, Oh wow. Just like, okay. They said it out loud. That's just awesome. You know? And then they, so they break, they break forward and they're like, they're waiting for Spencer and they're so concerned that he might be absconding with the loot that they're like, hell with it. They see the, they see the lady leave and they're confused. Like, did she just leave him in there? And I'm like, I'm, I know that when I have like a contractor or somebody come to my house, I don't just leave them in the house. I, I stay there until they're done. Um, but so they're like, okay, screw it. So they, they, you know, they break in, you know, and they encounter that really dirty, like, Almost like fake like kitchen that's like towards out. the back of the house. It's just dirty and covered in, yeah, but it's covered in dead flies. And there's like half dead plants and all this other weird stuff. Um, basically, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, um, uh, fool sees that first voodoo doll, and the first voodoo doll is like, um, well, and you come to find out later that they're not actually voodoo dolls, they're not, um, they're soul catchers, they're not voodoo dolls, um but kind of cool because they, they factor heavily in the movie. Um, but then another one of those, when they're trying to break into the house, another one of those one-liners where, where Leroy is, or Fool is talking about, hey, it's my 13th birthday. This is probably bad luck. And, and Leroy says, well, 13's unlucky anyway. It's like, cause it's like you're too old to get tit and you're too young to get ass. And, and another one of those where it was just like, I mean, he's so right, but who says that out loud? <laughs> like, I, like, nobody, you know? Um, and 
he he asks fool actually asks Leroy. He's like, so do you think that I have what it takes to become a doctor? And he's like, well, maybe a doctor of burglary, but that's about it, you know. And then they start breaking into that mother of all doors, and then he has another one of his beautiful comments where he just he says he busted the house as cherry when the the door opens and that big sliding door goes back. But then they encounter Prince for the first time, mm-hmm. and this is honestly where it gets it gets it has these moments of being so super silly. Um, like, I mean, egregiously silly, but then as the movie goes on, it, it has this way of like peppering in these super seriously and Wait, super scary moments. Weird thing is it almost seems like um, the movie is mainly pretty dark and serious, right? but then it has these moments of just full on comedy, you know, when the dog, when Prince gets electrocuted, yeah, <laughs> like when they, yeah. And then. Like they hit the guy with the dad with like something. There's like a whole almost like slapsticks sequence, right? In there, my favorite part though was when uh, so they've managed to put Prince on the other side of the big heavy door, and uh, they 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 run into the living room. This is right before uh, they electrocute the dog, but they run into the living room or into the parlor. And he makes uh, a fool like stand in the middle of the room so he'll attract the attention of the dog. Yeah, yeah. And Big Rames is hiding behind the couch. <laughs> so the dog comes in and just stares, yeah, stares at the kid. Out. And then like Big Rames like pops out and he's like shit <laughs> because the dog was just like for him to pop up, which was fucking hilarious. But also before that, remember the kid fools the mm-hmm. dog. Uh, uh, yes, in order or, to lock him out of the, yeah, the kitchen, they put him in that little muck room. Yeah. Does the thing where yeah he like uh, attracts him. Oh, and doesn't it like. Uh, he insults the dog, which is hilarious, <laughs> which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> but, uh, mm-hmm. Well, it's almost like Prince right. just didn't see the kid as a threat either. But I like how uh, it kind of just, the movie just kind of starts where there's very little setup, and then they're just like into the house and into the story. There's mm-hmm. kind of no real, like, set up or beginning segment. Well, other kind than like, but... this is my family. My yeah. mom is sick. My sister's got some kids she's got to take care of. There's this random Leroy dude just hanging around the house. Because <laughs> you don't get the impression that Leroy is with Ruby. He's just kind of like, well, I'm just friends, but I'm also kind of a dick. Yeah, yeah. It's never really explained what his relationship to them yeah. is, right? It's, he doesn't, I don't think he's related yeah. to them. I no. think he just hang, he's just like a friend who's like... But then he's not that friendly, out. you know? Yeah. You don't get the impression that he's having a relationship with Ruby. He's just kind of... And he's just kind of hanging out there being creepy in the beginning of the movie. That's you know true. how he's like sort of smiling and like as it's all happening? In the beginning, but they get taken out pretty quick. Yes. The partner gets taken out, which we know, and then the, even Ving Rhames gets... I want to talk a little bit about the gore involving Ving Rhames' body later on in the movie. For a cannibal, that man is very wasteful. He tears out his innards, so all of his intestines come flying out, right? And he eats a little bit of those, and then he dumps them into, like, what is this, like, under the house water... Yeah, they just had like a, yeah. The body pit. The body yeah. pit. Legs intact. The body pit. Thighs intact. Butt yeah, intact. Arms really... intact. All the meat. It's Ving Rhames. That's some really nice meat. There's a lot of really, ways to uh, meat. Taking advantage of that. Yeah. That's not totally thought through. The mm-hmm. cannibalism part. 
Yeah, he was he was he was lean back then too. That yeah. would have been that probably would and have been the kitchen didn't really if look like it. they had a meat yeah. grinder in the kitchen. I noticed too, but it didn't look like any of it was really being used. Yeah, too the old. It almost didn't look like it felt like an abandoned house that so they like, were when just we're doing living the cooking, in, which is like, sort of yeah. weird in a way. And then also, like, did they clean it up for the cops or something for the freaking like hundred cops that came through yeah. and that apparently didn't go upstairs or into the attic or into the basement or. Anywhere? Was she just like? Well, they had that. They had that magic shelf in that. In that. In yeah. The, the closet that led to the basement. Yeah, but but there was a magic shelf wall oh, that came down that blocked up. So I think I don't think okay. people even really knew the basement was there. But I mean, this movie also does assume that cops are complete idiots and can't look around the foundation Although, of a house and see windows and things many, and go, "Oh, yeah. there's a how basement. many stories have we heard so, of like no. serial killers? Like one of their victims like runs away, <laughs> and then the cops bring him back. Did you lose this guy? <laughs> That's all bloody. All right, you guys play nice now. <laughs> <laughs> Although she also, oh yeah, Jeffrey oh, yeah. Dahmer had that happen more than once. Yep, but the, the more mom than once. also. Yep, she was like, oh, it's all fine, it's all fine, you know. They, There's no kid here. Oh, that's yeah. the thing, they, yeah. And then for a call to CPS, that was a lot of cops right away. I feel like calls to CPS would, like, would have taken, like, a week yeah. for them to come around, and there would have been phone calls. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, sure, and there was a couple of suits in there, too, so they brought mm-hmm. some... They brought their heavy hitters out for that one. It was like, the responsiveness I of the cops. Think, yeah. And yet their lack of ability to <laughs> yeah. suss anything out. Yeah, seriously. Movie cops. They were they were too fixated on the, the snacks and the drinks. But then, and we, the cookies uh, and the coffee. Of yep. course, the guy, the, the main guy under the stairs that we meet, what's his name again? We, Roach. 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 Who I recognize. Roach. This is going to yep. be Sean random. Whalen. Yeah. He's been in a lot of stuff, too. Oh, yeah. He always plays, like, kind of the geeky guy or, like, yeah. the weird guy. But I also, he is the guy, this is so random that I remembered this, but he's the guy from the original Got Milk ad. Oh, really? Where the, <laughs> the very first Got Milk that kicked it all off. Where he, it's the he's the guy who calls into the radio show and he's eating the peanut butter and he can't say the name of the winning <laughs> thing. <laughs> what an illustrious career! Because I think uh, this movie, wow. Children or uh, the People Under the Stairs, was his first movie too. Oh, nice! Which was supposed to be Hillary Swank's character, by the way, or a role. Really, she was supposed to play that role. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be a, a, a girl. Interesting. Because the Roach is in. Really? She was, no, no, she she was, was supposed, supposed to play, to play AJ Langer's role? Mm-hmm. Really? Wow. Oh, boy, you you did well, and also, impressive. Yeah, you mentioned okay. her, too. Uh, I, you know, had that... My I recognize her. Yeah, my so-called life, of course. I was like, oh, my God, I recognize her, but I can't place what she's yeah. from. <laughs> Jared Leto is, like, the new Kevin Bacon when it comes to six degrees of separation. Yeah, yeah. And, uh... She, yeah, her as well. Everybody in this movie is sort of from yeah, other stuff. Yeah, solid, too. For sure. But, uh... Yeah, I think the only one that's really had anything that would uh, resemble longevity yeah, in their career has got to be Bing Rames. I mean, because he's been... Yeah, all the dead movies he's been in, all the Mission Impossible stuff. I mean, he's the he's still pretty much the Arby spokesman. He's He's got the meat. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, it's just... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but like even after like so, 
when we meet Roach, I mean, meeting Roach, it's like, they're still, they're still trying to keep this story going of mm -hmm. the people under the stairs are really the bad guys, right? Because like Roach jumps on this guy's back, on Fool's back and like kind of rides him all over the cellar. Um, and that's when you start sort of getting these glimpses of the people under the stairs, right? From the flashlights and the, you know, Fool right. moves that one TV and then the TV gets pulled back. And um, question, question for the group here. So the people under the stairs in general, because there's definitely some scenes in this movie where they make you, or they try to convince you that these people are all like kidnapped children from the surrounding communities, whatever else. Um, they outright say it at one point, but I also wonder because there's some people that you catch glimpses of people that are pretty deformed in one way or another. Mm -hmm. So I also wonder if the people under the stairs are kind of a, a conglomeration of kidnapped children and Ooh, also the results of this incestuous maybe. relationship where, where they just, nope, they came out and there. they just went, nope. And <laughs> well, put we know that like, no, kidnapped yeah, kids yeah, for sure. Yeah, and just they knew hard now. whenever they misbehave. Uh, in, to varying degrees. When they're bad. To your point, yep. if there's some that are a little, like there's one that straight up just has like a leather hood over his face. Like what's going <laughs> on with that guy? Uh, but yeah, and also they get that. That's people, a terrible right? mask is what that is. Because you see it later too. They're oh. cannibals, right? Well, and that's the whole thing, yeah. Because they're, well, because they're eating. They're trying to like to eat them. They're trying to drag yeah. Spencer so underneath that grate yeah, so they can eat the Spencer. And they're yeah. So yeah. here's you know at the very end he's like, don't you want to go outside? When, yeah. Like there's air or something. And then he's like, and the women, and he's like, oh, yeah, women. And then and then and then at the very yeah. end, they, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that really perked them up. And then these guys are just yeah. like, or at least, you know, you get the you get the to see the one with the long hair that seems to be like the leader. And uh, he kind of like he like the air hits him and he gets a little wind in his hair and then he's like, yeah, and he runs off. But he's a cannibal and he's looking for women presumably, and he's mm. yeah, like it's just it doesn't seem like a great idea. Is what I'm saying. Well, they. Yeah, like how how is this gonna go long term? Yeah, it, there's yeah, yeah, the, the whole not sustainable part. Of this. Put him away yeah. like the, mm -hmm. hey, hey, I'm free, but like oh, we'll, we'll we'll get you fixed up, buddy. We'll... <laughs> yeah, they should like they should. Yeah, yeah, if we needed CPS, it was right then. Well, and That's that was, what we needed one CPS. The, <laughs> one of my kind of little issues with the movie is that they kill the um, what's his name again? Roach. Roach. He dies. And then Roach. they sort of have to bring in this surrogate guy, people, the surrogate person under the stairs mm -hmm. to sort of become like the, like now, like he's like the sort of. Yeah, he has to rally the rest of the kids yeah. under the stairs. And, and so there was another reviewer that brought this up. He's like, so they could burst through the walls at any time? I know, so never did. <laughs> Well, they never, yeah, it's like I guess they never worked until the end. They never yeah. thought about you just, it, and they never like you know really had an uh, an idea of like, hey, this is something that we should do. Organized to the revolt. Yeah. But, well, yeah, I always thought that I always thought that Roach was Roach was sort of the rogue guy, right? Because he was the one that got loose and was going through the walls. I mean, he had like a, he had his own pad inside that house and Christmas that lights. The, and, the other but, kids grab him; they might eat him, like because he's not really part of their group. Is that what it is? I thought so. Like they have to, like they're like not not. Alice isn't really safe with those guys, and Roach wasn't. I thought I got that impression. 
I got I got that too. I got that too, Holly. That he was because he was so rogue that he yeah. just became part of the food chain, you know, because he was not and staying in the Roche cage. So I got that too. Like, yep. Definitely. Mangled. Not mangled, but like you know how like they made him look like zombies? Yeah. So, like decomposed. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was kind of a mistake mm-hmm. to kill him because then it would have been, I think, better for him to stay that sort of, he's the representative of the people under the stairs and Hmm. the the friendship and the relationship between the daughter and him could carry through because it was sort of weird because they felt this need to make this other guy like the new leader or Mm -hmm. like sort of the new representative of the people under the stairs. And it should have just been Roach the whole time, I felt like. And then then also they could have, because they had a happy ending basically for the story. And they could have just had a full happy ending where Roach also gets out and, you know, he can kind of go back. Which also, that does raise the issue of the people under the stairs is like, they all just kind of run off in the end. I'm telling you, they're a fucking nuisance. But it's like, yeah, it's like, well... Like, I feel like they should have done something where it's like, okay, we're going to reunite these people with their families. Yeah. Or we're going you know, we, we, we to get them help in some way. We're and they just teach them that people are not food. And there's like, they actually have hilarious shots of, <laughs> you see all the people in front of the house and things are kind of winding down. Yeah. And then you'll just see one of the people like, running away, just, like scampering away, away yeah. like looking <laughs> Looking either way to make sure no one sees them as they go running. Like off. this is a really bad idea. It's like, <laughs> well, and I also I didn't get. Well, I I always saw that, but I always saw that as like a, a for me anyway. Uh, you know, for like early nineties and whatever else, and like being in high school at that time, I always saw that as especially a lot of the people under the stairs with like the long hair and things like that. That a little bit of that was like a callback to like the really yeah. early 90s like metal slash hairband things because there's one of the people on our shows that looks like Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. I swear to God, it's Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. Um, you know, and, and so, so yeah, I get it. But I think, I think, I think when Roach, when Roach gets killed, I think it's like, I think it's, the, yeah. it's like the movie's turning point where it's like mm-hmm. a call to action where a fool really knows that it's time for me like to do something, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that there's a, there's a point um, where where Fool is talking to Alice, and this is the part where I'm still sort of confused because because if you talked about kidnapped children versus the um, the progeny of this incestuous relationship, because Alice mm-hmm. says that she's never been outside, so it's like if she's never been outside, I don't unless she was kidnapped when she was really, really young and doesn't really know any better. I almost think that she's, you know, the product of this man and woman, brother, sister, whatever the hell relationship uh, kidnapped that she's not actually their kid. Well, but I think what zombies Mm. getting at is that there is a chance that they might've been trying. So there's a mix of maybe kidnapped kids and an incest babies. Mm Hmm. And it, it, they they were sort of deliberately yes, unclear yeah. about some of the mm-hmm. details at first, and then reveal more as it goes. But it sort of caused a problem for me a little bit because mm-hmm. when I was thinking about who the people under the stairs were, 
I was thinking about like Ving Rhames and his partner. I can't remember his name. Spencer. The other guy. Uh, and I was like, are some Spencer. of these people like they just got kidnapped like two years ago and now they've devolved into chuds in just a couple of short years? <laughs> like, is that what's happening here? Because that seems kind of unrealistic. And then I realized as it went, like, I think all the kids under the people under the stairs were kidnapped as kids mm -hmm. and then grew up there. So they're like, they've been there, I guess, presumably since they were very young. Right. And um, this, there's a couple of plot holes for sure. Uh, and one that was brought up in another review was like, why keep them alive? <laughs> like, why keep like this math? Like, what is it, like 10 of them? But they got a feed, like, from time to time. Shit. Well, also... Well, yeah, especially when you have a body pit. Yeah, when you have a body pit and you are people that will consume human flesh, you're right. What is the point? But I, it almost... Well, but it almost felt like it was... Well, it almost felt like it was one of those things where it was, like, a reminder, like, of... It was a reminder to anybody new that came in the house. Like, if you... If you also, if you screw up, like this is what your future looks like. Morality, right? Because I mean, so maybe in their sense of morality, uh, the punishment. Uh, no, but they still believe themselves just a little. to be good people that are not going to hell, since they're saying that everybody else is going to hell. So I, th there is a possibility that they're thinking like, well, they've been punished, you know, and and that's you know that's their punishment, and you know we'll take care of them, but mm -hmm. they they've been punished. So there's so there. Well, yeah, well, but that's a, that's the. That's the whole thing, though. When you when you see punishment, if you can't see it firsthand, it doesn't have any real valid meaning, right? Until you can see it yeah. firsthand, and it's like being locked in the cellar or having your tongue cut out or whatever else, right. and you but can see it, it becomes that much more real. So it's like it's the motivation for the next person to be good. Yeah, I yeah. wonder if like any of the people under the stairs, uh, another interpretation could be like maybe those are the people who didn't actually pay the rent that got evicted. And this is their way of getting back at all of the poor people for not actually, you know, paying them. Know, well, and so they're punishing them so that and, way. While we're kind of pointing out weird uh, things and kind of inconsistent <laughs> things, it's funny. I thought it was funny because it's like they all have flashlights and it's clearly done as kind of a visual stylistic yeah. thing where you have these cool undergrad ground shots and there's all the yeah. lights coming through the wood slats but it's like why why do they first of all why do they all have flashlights to make them happy like a little like it's a it's a little what do you call a treat <laughs> so they can have a silent disco they have to have a bunch of spare batteries and they have to replace the batteries <laughs> On these things, so it's like... Damn it, Wes, did you not think this through? <laughs> that is clearly better. No. Excuse me, my flashlight's dead. Can I have more batteries? Well, but I think I, I think also, though, a big part of it is, uh, going back to the early 90s, I think that it, and things be, then not being things that they are now, um, right. the, the whole thing was a dehumanization. That's what it was. It's like breaking people down to their most basic instincts and, and what's your most basic instinct being able to survive. Okay. So what's surviving surviving is being able to eat and do whatever else. Um, and so once you get back that, they give you these little things like they had that TV in the corner where they could watch their TV and the, you know, and there's like the flashlight thing. I mean, these are still very basic, basic things. I mean, these people, I think spend most of their time in the dark, just kind of wandering around bumping into each other. Um, and, 
but the, the dehumanization thing is what really struck me. It's like the whole goal was to like break them down because, you know, even later af- after Leroy is killed um, fairly unceremoniously, um, like he's cutting body parts off and he's, he's okay. throwing like mm-hmm. chunks of meat to the people under the stairs, you know? And he's like, you got to keep them hungry. And it's like, <laughs> I, it, it really struck me as like, just a, like, I mean, it's breaking people like down yeah. to their most basic, and it's like, you know, basic things. The it's like, of kind of the I, fear of Kay's uh, back. Kay's uh, back. <laughs> the fear, you know, of rich people and the wealthy. It's, it's that thing of like, you know, the, the two parents are wealthy and they're on top and everybody else is, you know, living in the dirt. Hold, hold the phone, John. We're about to see some assholes. <laughs> ah, damn it. Oh, I but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Well, and as much as this, as much as this movie is about the fear of, there's a little bit of the fear of the wealth thing. I also think there's a flip side of that coin where it's the fear of the poor. Um, and, but it, what it told me is that <clears throat> people, people when they've had enough, they just, they just flat out had enough. If they get together and they band together, they can change the situation. Um, um, and this is and this is just for me, so it, feel free to edit or do whatever else. There's so many people in this world now that just bitch and bitch and bitch and bitch about what they don't have or what they aren't getting or whatever else. But this was a big piece of like, if we band together and we make our voices heard, we can actually change things. Um and so I, I think that was a big part of this. And it, it really struck me like, okay, these people are like, you know what? We're done with this shit. We're done with you coming in and buying property and pushing us out and tripling our rents because we're two days late and, do, and all this. And it was like so many little, little nuggets of things where it's like in a modern society, it's like I can see all these things being actual problems and – Moreover, I can see it just being complete bullshit. Somebody's three days late on their rent and you charge them triple. And if they can't yeah. pay, they get evicted. What? I, no. I mean, uh, life in society is hard enough. When you start throwing things like that at people, it's like, I mean, there's clearly a mechanism and a scheme in place where they're like trying to work towards a certain end. And the end is you being gone. And, and I don't, I don't, I don't care what it takes, but I want you gone so I can do this thing and I can make some yeah. more money and I can do all these other things. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, fair or unfair. You can argue it all day long. Um, but just, it was just for yeah. lack of a better term. This just movie definitely, just, yeah, I agree. It, uh, just that, that, this movie definitely shows, it kind of does that thing where it shows that uh, the people in power have, are far fewer than the people that are not in power. Yeah, that was like the really big, you know, ending. Yeah, and where basically that level of power is always sort of tenuously held because it's only a very few elite amount of people holding that power and the vast majority of people don't. So if those majority of people eventually decide that they've had enough, then, you know, stuff, then shit happens mm-hmm. <laughs> like this. And yeah, yeah, definitely can't help, mm-hmm. you know, but have those kind of political messages. In, yeah. You know. Although I feel like that's like the constant message now from every horror movie is like, <laughs> I'll never be able to own a house. Like, 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> Here I'm in my one bedroom apartment looking at this like mansion. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> go burn it to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like even back in the '90s, so like the the social commentary wasn't as uh, he- no, heavy yeah. laden in, in like it is nowadays uh, for a lot of directors, and even like having an African American like lead was super uncommon yeah, in the '90s too I mean, for the like, genre too. I was kind of thinking about that, and it, it, besides this movie, you kind of have like Candyman, mm-hmm. and that's almost it, especially for this era. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's. I'm not sure if I can think of any other ones where it's kind of like you have African-American lead characters and it's kind of a story told from their perspective, which I got to say a nitpick for me, this is just a small nitpick, but the fool or Dexter kept calling his, where he lived the hood, which kind of bothered me. Cause like nobody really calls like their neighborhood, the hood, like you would call it the name of the neighborhood, like maybe, and this was in Los Angeles. And so maybe he lived like in Crenshaw or he lived in Compton and he would have said Compton. He would, nobody calls their own name. I mean, I guess some people do, but I don't know. It's just, it, it struck me as odd. Well, yeah, but this was, no, and I hear you. I hear you too. But I think we were just getting to we were just getting to the point where neighborhood differentiation was a thing, like an actual thing. Like we, instead of saying the hood, you say we live on Crenshaw or we live over here or we live in you know South Point or whatever else. And a big piece of that, I think, is is because I was alive for this and, and was completely immersed in it. The whole like when the whole gangster rap thing started. Um, that's when it became important. So I think before that, I think mm. it was just people called it the hood, you know, because um, there's also yeah. a lot of references to the ghetto in here. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I don't, I, I never exactly, I mean, I knew what they were talking about, but I also think like there was a spot where yeah. you're standing up yeah, on the roof and you like, see the lights of the ghetto from here. I'm like, well, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, well, and it's like, what exactly is the ghetto? I mean, I, I, you know, I, so I, not going to even claim for a minute to understand and like try to even like, yeah, like, like decompress that because I don't just don't want to. Um, yeah, but I mean, a big piece of this movie, I mean, if you, if you break this down and to your point about having, having an African American lead and, and moreover, a 13 year old African American mm-hmm. lead. Yeah, he's really good. Nailed his role in this movie. He nailed it. Every everything from his one liners up to his action scenes, he nailed this stuff across the board. He just nailed it. He is. If you don't, if you don't go into this movie understanding that yes, he's trying to rob a house. Okay, he's he's robbing a place, um, which I'm not going to condone. At the same time, he's robbing it from a whole bunch of assholes, which I sort of condone. But then he's doing it so his mother can have an operation. I mean, come on. She, she has cancer and he's like trying to find. There's nothing in this movie that makes you not root for him. I mean, mm-hmm. every step of the way, you're just rooting for him. And he comes up against so many things. And then, like, even more so when you when you get to the point where they're locking down the house and then the cops show up and then we get, we get outside a little bit. And one of the weirdest things for me is that uh, Everett McGill 
did did anybody notice that he doesn't string more I than about that. six words together the whole entire movie? Mm-hmm. Like like yeah, I mean it's like he just his his lines, it's like when the cops come and it's like mm-hmm. he walks outside <laughs> and goes Trouble? And it was like okay. And then it's like, well, this van, the van that's parked in their driveway now, it's like, hey, it was used in a liquor store. But he was like, liquor store? I mean, like, he has all these, like, just the tiniest little moments where he says something. Um, but then when he goes into the house and he starts to kind of go on to his hunt, that's when he starts getting into his, like, I sort of call it the, uh, like, shouting down the AC vent voice where you know it's going <laughs> to echo. And he's like gonna kill you and it's like wow that carried okay that's that's just great you know i mean so they put the dog into the uh into the into sort of like the crawl spaces and the dog is hunting um and there's this moment where fool has his he has his foot up against one of the vents and he's trying to keep the oh, dog yeah. in and he's like and the dog is like kind of breathing and it's like damn what, what do they feed <laughs> you and, he's, and the dog goes Spencer's ring, yeah. and he and he and he caught he coughs out Spencer's ring, yeah, yeah, and it's like that's I think when he really understands the level of peril that he's in. That was a good he's dog. Like, mm-hmm. This is really bad, you know. And then oh, absolutely, yeah, I know, yeah. Dog, so I mean, it's like the dog actually. It's just like being. Yeah, so uh, they, I'm sure everyone, you know, you guys probably. I know that T has a dog and likes dogs. Like that dog didn't like come across as particularly vicious. Like I know, (laughs) I know uh, Rottweilers are sort of have a reputation, Mm -hmm. and that was the idea. And they gave him a spiked collar. But I swear, like most of the time, the way the dog was acting was just kind of like a normal dog. And I never saw him breaking skin, but that's just me. It's like (laughs) it was sort of it was like, oh, he's like he's cute. He's He's pretty cute. uh, (laughs) Again, that cute little moment again when. When Rames is trying to, you know, pounce on the dog and yeah. he he makes, you know, fool the bait, but then he doesn't take the bait. He just kind of waits for him. Oh, yeah, I know. That's, That's adorable. Awesome. He, he, he just stops and looks over. Yeah. <laughs> but, right, I'm so sorry to interrupt, zombie, but you were, you were on a roll. Yeah, I mean, no, no, don't, no, totally. That's, that's totally fine. Yeah, and so they're, you know, so they're going through all this and he's he's being chased by this dog and he ends up trapping the dog and the dog gets to go, <laughs> what, I, what I have in my notes is the dog slip and slide mm-hmm. where he goes down this. And, uh, well, and the one thing I've always wondered about this movie, it's like, so these people own this house. They have all these traps and all this lockdown stuff. Whatever else. How do they not know that there's an intricate maze of passages <laughs> that go through their yeah. house? They, they looked like they were big enough for at least a human, like a grown person I mean, to go I, through. Like yeah. they just weren't trying hard enough. I thought. Yeah, yeah. Most of them, most of them, yeah. And then they have that little interlude with 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 Roach, and when Roach comes into Alice's bedroom, and the three of them are talking, um, and the parents are like, or the, the I think it was the mom, the woman, whatever, says, "Well, the boys got into Alice," you know, and so then, then they're talking, and it's like. So they meet Roach, and it, it, it becomes pretty clear that the people under the stairs maybe are not quite the villains that we think they are. And they're talking to Roach, and it's like, you know, he's like, you know, so what's your name? And he's like, it's Poindexter. And he's like, he's like, whatever, he calls me fool. And he's like, who? And he's like, yeah, well, Mama mama caught him trying to call from help, so oh, he yeah. cut his tongue out. And he does that, that scene where he's just like, yeah. and that, 
that Ooh. rotten cut off tongue. Oh, mm -hmm. there's just, there's something about that scene. Just like it, it sinks, it, it sinks the brutality of this home. It just sinks at home where you're just like, so you were bad. So somebody chopped off your tongue, you know? And then fool has these lines. He's like, you know what? He's like, your father is one sick mother. <laughs> and he's like, come to think of it. Your mother's one sick mother too, you know? <laughs> and they just, you know, and then a f uh, fool is asking about the voodoo dolls. And that's where we find out that they're not actually, they're not actually voodoo dolls. You know, they're, they're basically soul seeking dolls. And that's what she talks. She talks about, she sews the dolls for all the people that come to the house and never leave. And it's Think all the workmen and all the gas men and all the bill collectors and whoever else that comes to the house. Well, and you think about it, the people, number of people that come to your house on a given day, and you that's can make the a lot thing, of dolls. Though, is that, really like, is, I mean, and so that was what I was trying ah. to figure out, though, is was it, are the people under the stairs, were they kidnapped as kids or were they, some of them kidnapped as adults? Well, there was a, that was that room of, well, I, you've got a really good point there. I was just, I thought that, I, I was going to say that there's that room with all the candles with the pictures of the children on the wall that, that they really quickly walk through. But that doesn't that doesn't actually answer your question. Yes. Yep. Because it's yep. a little weird that some people would degenerate <laughs> that quickly if they were kidnapped as adults. Because <laughs> we know in real life that people get kidnapped and then they mm. can reintegrate. No, I. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think the I think the salesman the. Die. The meter reader, whatever else, that come to the house. I think those people are food. I think when it comes to the people under the stairs, those are people that probably the man goes out into the community and grabs and brings back. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, when you think about that in this totality, it's like, okay, so anyone that comes to the house to read the meter or to deliver posts or do whatever else gets killed and consumed. And then every kid in the neighborhood okay. is a possible next special little boy or little girl. I mean, mm -hmm. it's like, and I mean, these people are feasibly, sick. I think, like, like kidnapped, like, sick a mother, seven year one sick old, and, like, that, I mean, that kind of, trying to put the timelines together, the ages of the kids, mm. and, like, when, this got a little morbid, I was gonna say, like, how young, how old, before, I don't know, you know, before you can just, like, you know, erase a kid's memory. <laughs> yeah, where they become, like, a, a chud. Yeah. A cannibalistic chud. They're literal chuds. Well, they made a point of that, though, in the movie, if you, if yeah, if you look at the people under the stairs, there's nobody right. under the stairs that is probably yeah, less no, than 15 years old. They're all, like, in the... There's no... You don't well, see any six or seven-year-olds running around yeah, just I mean, going... Like if we were to be really... Uh, um, there's not a... Really generous with our assumptions, we can say, like, okay, so they're 14, 15, right? But in then Alice is supposed to be, what, like, 13, 14? Yeah. Fool's supposed to be 13, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there's not any real young, and, and, and honestly, just looking at the whole thing, I think they made a point of that of not having any really young kids there because I think that would have, yeah, that would have twisted things to a different place. Like if you would have seen, if you would have seen a six-year-old cowering in the corner waiting to have a scrap of yeah. Spencer or a scrap of Leroy to eat, I think. Well, I think it would have made it as yeah. dark as this movie was. I think that would have been much darker, mm -hmm. you know. So I think it was just a bunch of. You know, it was like a, it was like the pissy high school teenage prom thing, but everybody was just kind of like waiting for their scraps versus 
getting down to middle school or say even elementary school, that would have been yeah. way weirder. Yeah. And probably and not as digestible to most people. Sort of a, it is like a weirdly, like a movie. I remember this movie when it came out was popular. Mm-hmm. I remember a lot of people talked about it and it was kind of a bigger movie, but it weirdly mm-hmm. seems to have sort of faded a little bit from, you know, when, when you talk about Wes Craven movies, it seems like this one isn't as talked about as, you know, others. And this one is fully written by and directed by. I think he got really, he got a lot of liberties with the, with this movie. Like he could just do what he wanted. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I heard. But, and it made like a good amount of money. I think he, oh, I, oh, I was just going to say that well, the movie I mean, cost part of $6 million to make. And mm. I think it made something like 38 or 36 million. It was kind of a hit. I yeah. remember, I remember people talking about it a lot back yeah. in the day when it came out. Yeah. Well, the problem is, like, this is what's kind of, like, sandwiched in between, like, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street and, you know, Scream. So, like, when you talk about two movies that basically at separate decades revitalize the genre, when did Scream obviously a movie like out? this is going to fall through the cracks. What? Yeah, was it, like, 93, 94? The first one? Mm. Oh, okay, so a little while later. It was 96. Oh, Well, but after Nightmare on Elm Street, and, and there was a there was a period of time there where Wes Craven could basically write his own check and do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. And this this movie is one of those I think that oh, if it, no, if it yeah. did not have Wes Craven attached to it, feel, it probably it does would not have been. Feel like a Wes Craven, you know? movie too. Weird. Yeah, it has so like I mean, a kudos. Similar feel to the first Nightmare on Elm Street in a weird way. There wasn't a lot of gore in this one. I mean, we had like just the the, the part where Ving Rhames gets um, gutted, but. Other than that, there wasn't very much of a... Yeah, it's pretty light. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, most of yeah. the gore is, revolves yeah, around really. the consumption of human flesh. That's where most mm-hmm. of the gore revolves around. You know, it's always somebody tearing off a piece of something or blood dripping on their face. And then beyond that, it's more the people trying to escape the scene and, you know, whacking people with toilet tank lids and doing whatever else where you just... It's not gory per se, but it's bloody, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. There's lots of blood, but not tons of what I would call gore. But then when you see, but even going back to the very first scene, when you first see the man, mm-hmm. the man, he's he's sawing chunks off of a human ribcage. That's what he's eating. Like, There's a lot of That's dinner. Rider. Like, what the fuck? I mean, I, I, like, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's like he, but he literally spits out buckshot. And he's like, so that's somebody that he killed in the house, in the house though. So I mean, that's you know, because because he gets he, he gets ripped a new ass later by mommy yeah. who talks about daddy not shooting his gun outside, you know. So I mean, so that was somebody that he got inside the house, and whether it was one of the people under the stairs or what it was one of their mm-hmm. previous progenies that didn't quite meet the muster. I mean, that's. You know, that was somebody that they were like, okay, also, well, you know, you're not good I don't enough. Know if Sorry, you didn't. Noticed if you've ever seen Mommy we're just done. Dearest, yeah. but they do a little like ode to Mommy Dearest. I was in the just movie, gonna say, yeah, where, all the scenes where the mom is the, the where she kind of makes the daughter take a bath, boiling hot water in yeah. the hot water, and all of a sudden her makeup she has on that white makeup yep. with mm-hmm. the like like they do in Mommy Dearest when she has her it's freak like, out. It's, a, it's like a night cream or cold mm-hmm. cream. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, this is, to- this is definitely a reference to Mommy 
Yes, when she forces her forces her into yeah, the bathtub yeah. and she's screaming and she's like, "The fires of hell are hotter." Another thing I was and it's like, about, oh, another thing okay. I was thinking about this movie too Super. is that this is like a reverse uh, Home Alone, basically where you have like the young kid breaks into the house <laughs> and he, there's all the traps and everything, yeah. but it's the it's like a reverse yeah. though. Yeah. <laughs> And there's even like electrocution. Yeah, this is the rated R version of Home Alone. Yeah, I I I buy that. Yeah, the the, the stairs like as the slide were really used. Yeah, the slippery stairs. Yeah, I have that listed in my notes. The slippery stairs are just absolutely (laughs) great. Yeah, well, but then you pop ahead to the point where um, it seems like they've gotten everything under control, right? Like. He's got the bear trooper. Alice is contained. Um, and then, like, the people under the stairs are like, yeah, we're not going to really have this. And oh, then yeah. we have that scene where that Le- nice. I-, I call it Leroy yeah, Rises. Yeah. Leroy comes out of the body pit. Um, but then it's it's Roach to the rescue for the second time in the movie. Ro- Roach comes to the rescue. Um, but then he shows or he shares with, uh, with um, Fool the coin collection. Like he's like, this is what's actually here. These things are actually kind of real. Um, and then he spells out in the ash of the chimney, he spells out Alice. And then he sort of like points up, like she's up there, you know, and then he dies. But then the, Call him daddy, the man comes downstairs and opens the big <laughs> furnace and sort of feeds <laughs> nice the dog crazy. through daddy. Well, that's okay. And calm daddy. It's fine. Um, yeah, and so he's like, now Fool is on a mission to rescue Alice, right? Um, and so the dog is following Fool through the walls, but then kind of gives up and, like, hops yeah. back out, but then is following him that. level to level in the house, you know, going up the various levels. But then you have da- you have Daddy, who is... Borderline assaulting Alice, right in this room, and then then the the dog shows up, um, and it, again one of those moments where this guy has very few lines, but when he says something, it's pretty important. It's like he opens up the door and just goes, "Shut the fuck up!" And the dog's like, hmm. "You know, I mean," but then fool comes out and literally yeah. just dick punches this guy. I mean, punches him right in the weenski, um, and then. But but fool uh, or Alice says so like he said he killed you and he's like uh, well he exaggerated a little bit and it's mm-hmm. like and they yeah and so they go after the dog and it's like the dog's like he's like stay you know I mean it just you know and then they're so they're crawling through the yeah uh, I'm guessing what is the heating and AC vents of this whole yeah. thing but then Daddy starts a fire in the basement with with uh, Roach's body and a whole bunch of wood and stuff like that. Um, and I, I had that one labeled but as the barbecue because he keeps talking about burning in hell and all this other stuff like that. Um, yeah. It probably would have. It probably would have smelled pretty good. But the weird part about this heating system is it's pumping smoke through the whole house. And I, I'm not an expert, but, like, if you want your house heated, you probably don't want to fill the whole house with smoke. Um, just seems like everybody <laughs> might die. That's just me. Um, but then he goes off and he has a, more of his, like, it's, I'm gonna find you. I'm gonna kill you. 
I mean, just they these, work. They work. these long reverberations when this guy talks, it's like they don't give him. Yeah, they don't give him much to say, but when he's when he speaks, it's like it carries like he's in the Grand Canyon. And it's like some of it's like honestly kind of awesome. So they're sneaking through the walls and it's like and Alice very quietly says, if he can't hear us, he can't shoot us. And so they're mm-hmm. they're kind of walking through the walls quietly. And then this weird spike trap comes through the wall. And it's well, like that was like something with I the, still that sort was of don't where get in that. the movie there were like, these like traps. So you it's like with the sliding stairs and everything, but it feels like it was a little bit underexplained. It's like who made these? Who who is the target audience? What or se- by that I mean the target. <laughs> it seems like the house is set up with all these traps to trap like the people who come into it and to hurt them and stuff. But it's so sort it was of a roach, you think? No. Oh uh Well, I think so. I think so too. But there are so many moments in this movie where they show Daddy yeah, gotta be going to a place, and he's like, "How come I can't get through here?" So what you're so what so but but so what you're telling me is that he didn't know yeah. all these like maybe secret so entrances existed, but he, he somehow booby trapped most of them, a couple of places. Of it like uh, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe, but it just seemed like if he's going to know about yeah. like mm-hmm. there's so many spots where he just uses his shotgun to get through the wall. <laughs> you just like, fuck it. <laughs> and so, so it's like it, but like, it's like, so you didn't know about this one, but you planned ahead for this one way down the hallway. Like with said, this giant a rolling thing of spikes. It, just, <laughs> yeah, it, it seemed a little haphazard to me, but that's just me. It's just, yeah, uh, it's just trying it, to it's remodel. Cause they also have that kind of control yeah. panel where they yeah. can control a lot of the stuff in the house through this control panel. But it's, it's not, like I say, it's not totally explained well or utilized in a way where it makes sense. Exactly. Although, I loved uh, how Mommy was like, flips the switch, Daddy, cops. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> and that's all she had to say. Well, and then, and then yeah. they're like, turn all the lights on. Yeah. And Daddy, she just, like, Daddy police outside. All yep. the lights come yep. on in the house. Because they were literally just like running around in the dark because it's like scarier that way. Yeah. So they were like, oh, yeah. let's turn the lights back on now. Are here. That's back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a there's a switch for moonlight. But I like. Yep. Oh, there's the cat. Yep. Oh, yes. As soon as they like call out for the cops, the only thing I can think of is it's like, oh, that's your one oh, to you know take your gimp suit off, you know, get the part, like play your role in this. He's in his gimp suit. <laughs> And then the cops show up, and then he's out. He comes out in front of the house in his regular clothes, and I was like, "Damn, you got out of that gimp suit in Real like quick. thirty seconds." Because <laughs> he, he literally is like it, those things. I mean, I oh, imagine yeah. it would yeah, take. Oh, you imagine? That. Not that I've ever had. It. <laughs> it's all sweaty. Well, especially if you're running around the house. You but know. I like how they kind, kind of all sweaty. I like how they kind of. Mm-hmm. subverted like the normal movie structure where you have kind of the big exciting chase in the e- near the end where uh Dexter is that his name? This point Dexter, yeah. For Poor Dexter uh escapes from the house. And then yeah. but there's still like 30 minutes left in the movie. Yeah, and that I paused it. I was like wait a minute. <laughs> and you would think that was almost the end, but it, 
then there's the whole yeah, and he's like yeah, yeah. which is really cool. He's like we're gonna yeah. go back. And he and says I made a, I made a promise. And if you think about it, like yep. the, it was a very well thought out plan because you you kind of you you take it in bit by bit, <laughs> and so you start making assumptions about how people would react if they were just given these six circumstances. But in reality, it was an extensive plan. Although, as a 13-year-old, being the one going in there and actually getting everything done, that's pretty scary. But, I mean, his whole community was in on it mm-hmm. because they all showed up at the exact right time. So yeah, it was all was planned cool. out. Which, again, reinforces that message that the people have more power than, the, right. people, than the ones who are that's actually right, in power. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I that to- was Grandpa Booker. Grandpa Booker was the one that was like, and and they don't and they don't say it, but I think that's where you, if you yeah, think about, yeah. it, that's where it came from. Grandpa I, Booker was like, another little complaint the about plan. the movie is that you know, yeah. So a nitpick is like in the beginning of the movie, the landlord is kind of this terrible person who's going to evict them, and she's got cancer. The mom's got cancer, and a serious operation she needs, and it's just like, oh my god, you know, like mm-hmm. what a horrible person. Yeah. And then we meet the landlord after Dexter escapes from the house, and he's actually a super nice guy, and he's like, he's really helpful to them and really nice to them. Remember, because they mean, talk to him. Oh yeah, he's walking through the house smoking his no, pipe, no, and then he takes his head off to jab off the blood. I mean, the landlord of the fucking toilet tank. So it's like apartment, the guy who's going to evict them. So I thought that was it. No, no, no. The landlord is daddy. They're the landlord. They daddy is the, the landlord. Building, but isn't the landlord? Daddy is the landlord. Guy who the old guy that talks to them after they escape from the house. I think it's the friend of the. Family, oh, is he just yeah. the grandpa? That's. That's Grandpa Booker. That's oh, Grandpa is he Booker. Grandpa, Grandpa, or is he like Grandpa's and like a friend yep, of the that's Grandpa Booker. Told. I yep. thought he was the yep. landlord. Yep. Uh, they don't. They don't delineate. <laughs> oh, okay. But he's called Grandpa Booker. No, because no, he calls him his Grandy. Calls him his Grandy. So that, that's his Grandpa Booker. Manager, yep. Like yep. the building yep. manager, exactly. Because yep. when you give him the coins, he's like, "Yeah, this will cover rent for like the next know, ten years and the operation." And I could think was like, "Don't you guys want to move?" I know, totally. You guys should be, yeah. This place sucks. Yeah, yeah. Let's get a U-Haul and get the fuck out of here. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. I misunderstood who. Yeah. No, that was Grandpa Booker. That was the kid's grandfather. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because he said he he was going to book an ambulance for your mama. That's what he's like. Yeah, so he was going to do that. Yep. Yep. No, Grandpa Booker. Oh, he's yeah. a, yes. another a, another he's awesome everything. character actor because he's been in yeah. like so many like he was and, in The uh, Sopranos and some other stuff. I mean, he just been yeah. though yep. is that yep. Yep. we yeah. get the in that scene near the end of the movie we get the lore about the, the couple and how what they've been doing with the in all that, and I felt like that could have been better put more near the front of the movie. Because on one hand, I I appreciate that they kind of went for this thing where you kind of don't know what is happening and you learn it as you're going. But I feel like it would have been better because of the way things are set up to have that kind of lore at the front of the movie where it's like, these are the creepy people who live in this house. Mm -hmm. And there are stories about kids disappearing and... And, oh, then, and then I when see. they go okay. to it, they kind of we then we as like the audience kind of know going into it 
that they that there's stories in the neighborhood about these people and the weird things that they're doing. Yeah. So zombie, uh, uh, John really likes his lore. Yeah, yeah. I always. Mm-hmm. Well, no, and totally, le- totally legit. And this is this is normally I would agree with that. Normally I would be like, yeah, you should have given me some more upfront. But I also think in this movie, it was one of those things where when Grandpa Booker is talking, <laughs> yeah. he's like. Their brother and sister, and the kid's like, "Wait, what?" Mm-hmm. I mean, like, because like he's seen them interact, he's seen the gimp suit, mm-hmm. like he's seen the that hypersexuality between the two of them. And he's just like, "Oh, <laughs> okay, yeah." So, welcome to Arkansas, motherfuckers. Yeah, I mean, he just like, like he like, like it, it all came together for him. And I, I love the fact that it came together in the mind of a thirteen-year-old versus <laughs> coming together yeah. in my mind, because even that kid was just like. Okay, this is fucked up. This is really <laughs> fun. And see that that's what I, I love that they kept that. I mean, like, because you didn't you didn't really assume anything until until Grandpa Booker said that. And then you were just like, Oh, now it all makes sense because that's when I started thinking about the people under the stairs and whether they Incest were babies. a mixture of kidnapped kids and right, yeah. incestuous Exactly. That's what I started thinking about and it was just like and it just and actually, it, honestly, made it weirder and more horrifying for me. Like, okay, great. So there's some kids under the stairs yeah. that are. And it's sort of a, yeah, and it's like and their just characters. like I mean, their you know, so it's like, right? oh, I mean, this just got gross. Very, got gro- uh, gross. Yeah. They're very eccentric. They're they're they, yep. they've got this same level of weirdness that it's like, oh, what are the odds you're gonna meet somebody who's your same level of freak as you? <laughs> so it makes sense that they were. Yeah, you go to. Yeah, I know. Well, if you if you if you grow <laughs> like up with them, the odds are pretty good. Yeah. And it's like, oh, it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of plays yeah. into how there, there's this <laughs> sort of appearance that the daughter, that uh, at least I wasn't, I was kind of wondering in the movie whether the daughter, because there's only, and it seems like it's implied that the daughter and Roach could potentially be brother and sister. And because I was kind of wondering, you know, because because mm-hmm, of the connection where they take care of each other. Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah, exactly. In the way that he, yeah, the real close relationship that they have yeah. where she doesn't have that relationship with any of the other and you get, people. Yeah. You get the impression that he might be closer in age to her mm-hmm. and, and to uh, Dexter as well. Although as it turns out, AJ was already 20 when she was playing this. Oh, she was. That's crazy. Oh, AJ Langer. Yes. But see, that goes back to the, that goes back to that thing of it's like, so mm-hmm. the who's who of the people under the stairs. So <laughs> are they, are they kidnapped thought, kids or are they incestuous progeny? I, I thought there was some actual <laughs> explanation that <laughs> they were, the two were trying to have kids, but never could. And mm. so that they were, basically kidnapping young people and kids to basically pretend that because we we find out that the daughter is not actually their daughter and that they right. were just yes. convincing her that she was and i thought that was kind of the idea with the yeah yes they, they they flat out say it john they flat out say it that they were taking kids from the community um they flat out say it and i i completely okay with that but there's enough people under so the stairs that have like, these weird <laughs> abnormalities. 
that I think, yeah, I think there might have been a little bit of might have been a little bit of pepper and salt. If you know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> so like, like there was like, babies, there was some kidnapped kids and yeah, then also like yeah. repair the cable guy. <laughs> also the cable guy <laughs> and like. <laughs> Well, but that's like the beauty of this movie. It's like, okay, so you have people that live in this house. They're eccentric. They they keep to themselves. They do whatever else. They kidnap children, which was said out loud. They possibly have incestuous mm-hmm. babies, which was implied. Mm-hmm. And then they're also cannibals. So, well, I mean. I, well, I think it's like a good way to stress. Uh, like, like welcome to the land of what the hell. <laughs> right. You know, they're just they're they're using every part of the poor people, if you will. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> they're eating them. They're they're ex, you know extorting money from them. They're yep. stealing their babies yep. to either eat or raise. Well, and that's the but that's the Holly. That's the big part of the dehumanization we were talking about. So it's like, mm-hmm. where do you where do you fit on the scale of things? And it's like, if you're down here, then guess what? You're either food. Or possibly being, because the one of the things that Grandpa Booker talked about was each generation of this family was crazier, mm-hmm. crazier and greedier. So it's like, okay, so who's going to be the next generation of this family? And it's like, I got the impression that, and I, I think Holly kind of alluded to this, like um, Roach and Alice were Maybe. roughly of the same age. So were Roach and Alice meant to be the next generation of the family? Because there was no... There was no obvious line of continuity to the next generation. Like it seemed like it had maybe like stopped, which probably was a good thing. But they just nope, no more. Um, But so yeah, I mean, it's yeah the the dehumanization factor. I think it it really stuck with me through this whole thing Um, because at every level they were trying to take whoever came into their realm and, no and it didn't even matter. Yeah. Like if it was cops and social workers, it was just like, <laughs> and they just played off nice. Yeah. But then it's like, when it came to actual like people mm. and it was like, how can we subjugate you the best we possibly can and make you do what we want? And so it became, <laughs> there's so many things in this movie that were so goddamn creepy that were just like, I mean, just give me a yuck factor. But I think it's honestly why I love it as a horror movie because it gave me a like a super huge yuck factor. And really, like the whole like people living within the walls aspect hadn't been like fully fleshed out at that point too much in the genre mm-hmm. either, which would start to become more of a staple in other movies uh, later on. But in most of those other cases, like mm-hmm. it was usually like a villain. That's actually, actually you know, know, reminds that, like, me of uh, the house. what was it? It was one of the. Uh... Either was it one of the Conjuring sequels uh, where uh, it's like a twist where you think the house is haunted uh, and you think oh, you're yeah. seeing a ghost, but it's actually a person that's being held captive in the house, and the daughter is seeing this girl and she thinks it's a ghost. I think it's the Conjuring. No, yeah, not the Conjuring. Uh, is it Insidious? No, not a city. It's the one with the woman from the Friday the 13th or the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. You know, the, the older woman who plays like the psychic. Well, those that's, um, that's insidious, but it's the, it's the sequel where it's the prequel and it's her as like a young 
Okay. But anyways, oh, okay. It's that like you were saying to me, it's it's that kind of same story though, where she thinks <laughs> she's seeing a ghost in the house, but it actually turns out that her father is like a creepy kidnapper, serial killer, and the totally person that, that the, the girl that she thinks is a ghost is actually a nice. real person that's being it's held captive and is kind of living in the basement. Yeah, it was it was one of the insidious scenes. Well, yeah, it. that's it. That's it. That's the yeah. One. I think it, okay. I think it was the last. But it, yeah, it's that, that same one. kind of story. And even that girl sort of looks like one of the people under the stairs. She kind of has that zombie sort of look <laughs> to her. <laughs> Definitely an interesting movie. This yeah, I haven't seen this in ages. This was not. In my, this isn't like my well, so coming, normal collection sort of mm-hmm. movies to watch. It definitely know. took me back. I mean, like it's so nineties. Mm-hmm. Like the the uh, what do you just the color combinations of everything? Just kinda... and Ving Rhames' clothes are so nineties. His whole outfit, like his denim, he's got like denim jeans, denim jacket. <laughs> he's got a little hat. This hat, very nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so coming coming full circle, um, after Fool has made the made the call to CPS and all the cops come and they have their coffees and cookies and everyone's just like, and there are so many moments in there. It's like, well, <clears throat> they talk about, well, Alice came into this world, but she left us too soon. They you know they talk about, and so the cops are like, oh, that must have been so traumatic, and the cops all leave. Mommy. But then, but then, woman, mama. Mommy, whatever we want to call her, is like, you know what? The cops left the back door open and I couldn't watch it the whole time. And it's like mm-hmm. then we have that like beautiful moment where where Fool is back and Fool is like, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna school these sons of bitches. I'm gonna like let them have it. But then he's he's basically tricked by this recording of their prayers. And one of the lines in the prayer is if I should kill before I wake. And it's like, okay, so if that's what we're saying our prayers to when we go to night, we've got some problems, people. We've got some problems and we should like seek some like hardcore psychological counseling. Um, but then we have the reappearance of the leather man or the gimp suit, as we all call it. Um, but then fool sort of kicks both of their asses in the hallway, which I thought was just like absolutely great. He just like kind of kicks the shit out of both of them. Um, And he he gets up and he runs away. And there's this moment where the guy goes and he goes to the most beautiful roll top desk. And he's he's trying to pull the shelf out. He's like, and finally he gets it out. And there's, there's his shotgun with all the shells. And it's just like, there's a piece of me that's like, that's not what I a roll top desk gentle, is for. There's gentle. a piece of me that was like, that's <laughs> awesome. Really I should call it. Like <laughs> I mean, just. <laughs> I know. Yeah, ex- oh, exactly. Yeah, it's like if you if you pull it too hard, you're going to break one of the slats, and then it's just not going to work. And it's like, but, at the same so time, the, it's got 12 me, though, so like, too, at awesome. the end there, um, something that makes me think like the traps and the, the tricks and traps I feel like we're meant to play a more prominent role in the movie and somehow like maybe that part of the story got diminished because at the end of the movie, we get like the ultimate of all the traps where uh, Dexter 
puts the gold coins into in the, the candles, candles. Yeah, and good. lights the candles so that as they melt, they clink on the ground and draw the attention. Yeah. And I was just like, oh. oh my God, like that, <laughs> that is like, that is so that was beautiful, so specific that it felt really like the trips, the tricks and traps must have been like a more prominent role because that last tri- trick was so extreme and so like clever and over the top that it felt like there must have been some in the script or in the ideas of the movie sure. that didn't quite make it. There must, I feel like the, there must have been more of a battle with these traps between, uh, between the Dexter, the father, and also uh, the, you know, the kid who died, the, mm-hmm. under, the what's Roach. his name? Roach. Because you see it all through, but it's never quite explained and it, it's not quite, you know, it's not as much a part of the story as it feels like it should be. Especially when you see those stairs being used like three or four times right. in the movie where they're sliding people down. It's like, clearly this was set up to be like the whole house was a big trap. And like you're like it was built to bring people in and trap them and and ensnare them, but I don't feel like that came across as well as it could have, you know. Well, I mean, the first like part of that was just like seeing all of the like deadlock bolts on the like outside of the Mm -hmm. house. I'm just like, well, that's definitely a little weird. Like that should have been the first red flag. Yeah, when you're first the like pad- encased in a place, yeah. the padlocks on the way. Well, you know what the funny thing is, yep. though, is yeah, they're literally yeah, trying to keep someone yep. in. That was meant to be kind of ominous, like, oh, we've got the padlocks on the outside. But the thing I, I sort of thought, yeah, but you could just like clip those locks. If they're on the outside, mm-hmm. you can clip them off. <laughs> you can get a bolt cutter and cut those locks. Right, yeah, but if you're on the inside, you're trying. Well, if you're if you're on the Definitely. outside, but if you're on the inside, <laughs> not so much. Yep, yeah, yeah. Well, no, and then you know, so after the after the the whole roll top desk thing, um, it, you know, he does a fool does a good job of like tricking them into thinking that he got back out, um, you know, but he hides, and then we have the the moment where I have labeled another brick in the wall. Um, where you have Alice, you know, cause he's like, uh, there, there's a, a moment where, um, daddy says, just let her hang up there all night, you know? And he goes, he goes up there. Um, and this is just before daddy comes in, but he, he knocks a brick out of the wall and she's like, I can't move. I'm tied to a, br- I'm, I'm tied to a bolt in the wall. And he's like, Oh, is it this one? And he just goes, dink, dink. and then she kind of drops down and then it's like, and this is the this is the scene where that Holly alluded to earlier, where she's like, "Please let please let me down," and he just he just grabs his crotch and gives it that weird leather squeeze. Yeah, it's like, like, it's like <laughs> okay, so I know what you're about. Thank you for spelling that out for me. Um, yeah, but then mommy is like, "Get down here right now!" You know, help me to bed. You know, um, and, they, and then I had this weird conversations about it's like, yeah. and if we catch him. We're not cutting off his tongue this time. And he's like, I'm cutting off his balls, you know? <laughs> and it's like, and then they have the conversation or fool has a conversation with mm-hmm. Alice about how they're not actually 
her parents, you know, and they talked about jumping out the window and he's like, no, he filled that with rocks and broken glass. And it's like, well, that's not super good. Mm -hmm. And then they, they start figuring out that the whole house now is like wired with dynamite. Like everything is just wired. And, um, there's a weird scene where they're like up on the roof and they look out and this is, this is where they look out over the cityscape and, and like he yeah, said, that was, the lights the of the ghetto that was one of the lines like, where I was like, nobody, oh, okay. What's the ghetto? Exactly. I don't know. It's just like it the lights. That's what's Craven writing yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What's well, the whole, I can see my house from here. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I don't think you can really, that, which is fine. Um, you know, but then they get, they sort of develop a plan, right? And they are up on top of the chimney and they start making some, like, I think they start making some dust and some smoke and stuff like, like fall down from the chimney on purpose. Um, and then that's where um, Gimp Guy is like, you know what? she's a whore and I've just been done with this. And the mom is like, Oh, and, but like Gimp guys had enough and kind of gives mom the old like choke thing. And it's like, well, he's kind of rising to a new level here. Um, but then more dust yeah. falls and he goes over to the chimney and he's digging in the chimney. And that's where he says he can't see shit through his Gimp mask. And he finally pulls his Gimp mask off, but then fool drops a brick on him. <laughs> like just goes, he just goes bombs away and he calls it a smart brick. <laughs> Which I thought was just like, to me, it was really funny. It was like, it's a smart break. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then Fool and Alice do like a chimney slide, go all the way down. And, and mommy's like picking up the shotgun. So daddy's kind of off job. going, oh, my face again, like for like the eighth time in this movie. <laughs> yeah. And then she just stands up and just goes, caca. Like that's like her dirty word for the movie is caca. Um, and so he he shows Alice the way out, and and she's like, "Come with me." And he's like, "I'm not finishing them yet. I got to sell these kids free, you know." They're sure. Um, yeah. And then Alice and mommy have a kind of a moment, yeah, the moment. And she's like, "Just go to hell," you know. Um, but then both mom and dad, or man and woman, or mommy, or whoever they are, just it's just weird. Um, they come back into the kitchen because they know they can't get out through the back door because it's locked, you know. And so they're chasing around. And this is still that part where I'm like, how do they not know there's always tunnels in their house? This part still is just baffles me. It's like, how do you not know? Um, but so they're looking for her and she reaches down from the from the awning over the oven and grabs her shoe off the stove and then goes back up. Um, and then we're kind of like, the one guy's going back to the cellar and he's like, just, you know, just shoot her if you see her, you know, and this guy's got this, he's got this uh, giant desert eagle that he hands to her. And then he goes down into the basement and she stays upstairs and that's when there's a knock at the front door. Um, and it's the people from the association of like generally screwed and fucked over, <laughs> um, you know, and it's like, you, you put us in rat infested hell holes and you do whatever else. And it's like, you have daddy back downstairs and he's finally contained fool. And he's like, it's time to kiss your ass. Goodbye. You know, but then there's like, she slams the door, but then there's another knock at the door and it's like, Hey, it's police. We have reports of gunfire. Um, and this is where they start talking about the stolen children in the community. And 
that's where you get that first, like, okay, now we really know where these kids came from. And she's like, you know, you know, what are you going to do or whatever else? And she's like, mm. you know, and she's like, well, what am I going to do? Like, she's like, all I see is a couple of word I'm not going to say. I mean, it's like, then the whole community is there. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, now we got some people of power. They're going to actually do something. We're going to, we're going to change this shit. And then you go back down to downstairs and you've got daddy with a shotgun and he's like trying to shoot. Like he's, he's just shooting blindly. It's just kind of pathetic. Um, but then the people yeah. under the stairs grab fool and sort of slide him along the whole thing R- right until he's up against the lock. And then just before the guy shoots, he drops him and he shoots the lock open. And the guy's like, Oh shit. You know? And he's kind of looking around and he's like, I know you're in here. And it's like, um, this is the this is the moment where Fool says to the to the one guy, he's like, it's like I, I know you want to get outside and see the sun, the birds, and the women, you know? But then he points him and he shows him the vault. And the vault is where there's bags of money and just piles of I mean, like the worst place ever to keep this stuff. I mean, I just I'm not sure why you keep it there. Um and then Fool has another one of his like like just Kind of yeah, yeah. awesome lines where he's like, no one has no money sure. in the ghetto. And it's when like, because it's up, all here. I thought you know? for sure when they blew up the house, but then you have, when they found that vault, oh. that they were going to do that thing where, like, money starts, like, raining on everybody. And from it did. The explosion. Did it happen? Yeah. Did people start doing that? I forget if that, right. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there was dollar bills and gold coins and whatever else just raining from the ceiling, just everywhere, you know? But then you have that moment where um, Alice goes and she's trying to, because right. Ruby came in, when Ruby came into the house and then Alice came through the ceiling and she said, and I quote, you knocked that bitch cold. But then Mama gets up and they can't find her. Ruby goes outside and then the door closes again. So now it's like, so now it's like face-off time, and um, kind of mommy and Alice have that little like face-off thing. But then the people under the stairs are like, "Not happening." They start coming out of every crack and crevice, everyone in the house. So to the earlier point, totally. why they didn't do this sooner, I don't know. But, but it, yeah, possibly, it possibly. The, yeah, but they the community. Some points you got to find your stride. That's you know? true. There you go. Yeah. It's, the people the finally realizing that finding, they have yeah. the power, really. Mm. Yes. Yep. You know, and can stop that once they're organized. Uh-huh. Which, you know. Yep. No. No. Uh, they just, yeah. And they just, you know, they go through the whole thing. And at the very end, you've got Fool holding the two wires. And it's funny like, that you know they, what? There's enough dynamite back there to blow your ass. It is funny high. that they wired the house like, with explosives. You know, like, so they're going house. Yeah. Like, that's not the greatest idea. Don't you sleep there? When they broke back into the house and he saw that, I was like, oh, that's convenient. Like, <laughs> the house is wired. Because that's such a 90s thing, too, where it's like, yeah. you, the house, we're going <laughs> to, the big finale is that we're going to blow everything up. You know, it's like, so it's like, yeah, of course they wired the whole house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's, what's oh, just just bundles of dynamite. That's a very nineties thing. Bundles of dynamite, like it could be 
three sticks, five sticks, ten sticks, <laughs> bundles of dynamite. Yeah, yep. yeah. Goes you know, back to like go the, sideways. You know, you gotta blow everything up. It's the way to go. Yep. All else fails. Nuke it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know what? So, so fool has his second to last great line where he's like, you know, he's like, I'm done fucking around. So he's like, either put your gun down or you can kiss your ass goodbye, boy. And just the the way he says that, I just, I mean, it's like the biggest giant middle finger, just like, oh, right to that guy. Um, the place blows up. Fool dives off to the side, is not injured in any way, which seems a little strange, but you know what? Hey, movies. Movie um, magic. Yeah. But then we're outside and it's just pennies from heaven. There's just, there's gold coins and money raining down everywhere, you know? And, uh, you know, Alice comes downstairs and finds Fool and he's like, he's like, are you okay? And he's like, I feel like a million dollars, you know? Yeah. And then we get outside and this is where we start the seeing cannibals. the people under the <laughs> stairs that are getting outside, getting their first breath of fresh air. <laughs> Like going out into the community <laughs> to eat more people because they're cannibals. Yeah, slightly problematic. I that's slightly that's problematic. I, I agree, cannibals. but that's when they're out finally, and you sort of, but you sort of feel for them though too. It's like at the same time. It's like, yeah, yeah. The, the, the yeah. whole the yeah. whole time I'm just waiting. Like, okay, I'm that's just waiting for the, the guy with the long hair to just like bite do. some chick on like the thigh. People. You know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then no, the and zombie apocalypse starts, like, and it's like, oh, shit, this movie's not over. Yeah, that's nope. the really kind no, of totally. weird Just... thing about the end of the movie is that it's like the people under the stair, the people under the stairs are victims of the people who own also, the house. Yeah, and so like the end of the movie, it should have been like them coming out and being like, oh, like They're doing their whole like, among, oh, the sun. Yeah, and kind of standing among the neighborhood people and then like the cops or paramedics could come up and like <laughs> give give them blankets. Yeah. And it's like, oh, now, yeah. like you're free from the house. Now we're going to help you out. Yeah. But the, it is very odd and like they didn't know what to do, the writers of the movie or like West, West Raven. Raven. <laughs> where they just the fact that they just sort of scamper off into the night that sounds like, yeah. you know, like, okay so they're just gonna mm-hmm. go be homeless now like what like, <laughs> the people under the sewer in the sewer I know. like can we get them to the help the people under the <laughs> well yeah, no but they're coming exactly they're becoming the people I under the bridge but I mean but before, there's a freedom factor though it's just like I'm not I'm no longer caged. So what do mm-hmm. I do now? And it's almost <laughs> it's almost awesome that they leave it unexplained. Like I don't I don't like, uh, want to see the future there. I just want to like I like that like breath of freedom. Months just like later uh Dexter like goes yeah. to a blockbuster <laughs> yeah. video yeah. and like the guy the main guy from the under the stairs is like working behind the counter. He's like <laughs> he's like oh here you <laughs> he's just eating candy more candy. The new time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. yeah, hi fool, hi fool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's like, ah. yeah. Donor. And he shows you the he shows you the tongue and just goes, <laughs> and it's like, oh. like oh. <laughs> we really I remember you. <laughs> Aren't you in Megadeth? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So pale. Oh. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I totally, I oh, totally admit that the end of this I movie and the freedom been, factor, that, like, gets me right in a special place. It does. Like, just yeah. the freedom, yeah. just the... Well, that's the I think so. I think so. Just like we're out. We're oh, out. I was going to say, that's I mean, it's got, has, I'm glad yeah, it anything has go a back happy and, ending. It has oh, a, go, John. an overall happy ending. But I feel like I just wanted, I wanted Roach to be that. I wanted him to live through yeah. and escape too. Because we'd already invested in him, yeah. Right. He was our, he was our representative mm-hmm. of the people under the stairs. Like he was the guy and we liked him and he was cool. I wanted him to be that guy mm. at the end, you know, not the other, well, I mean, the other people escaped too, but I, I was a little annoyed. I was like, um, I want the, I want the 100% happy ending where even Roach gets out. That would and, have been nice. You know? All right. Before we wrap it up though, I was going to say, we never talked about the takedown of Prince, which was actually kind of, mm-hmm. I, I was a little saddened, but cause he was just trained to be mean, but uh, there is that that really cool scene where uh, Daddy's oh. trying to stab Dexter through the through the wall, mm-hmm. and while Dexter stabs, is fighting yeah. the dog, and and at what point he realizes he can just put the dog up against the the, the he wall, puts the, use the dog right, the and then in this whole sequence, yeah, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then the sequence as well, yeah. we got the shotgun with the bayonet, because is I this just, the one where he, I got I, uh, <laughs> Which again, very David Lynch, right? Yeah, very, very David Lynch. And I got him! I got him! I got him! I got him! But he did. He did get a dramatic death. They he did, did prove it. His head kind of pops out. Prove it. And they did yeah. the dramatic reveal that it was the dog instead yeah, of him, and it was like, dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, it was like I didn't. Uh, yeah, it's like you kind of feel bad for the dog. I did. I felt bad for Prince. <laughs> really, he's just not. He was just doing what he was trained to do, and he wasn't really like that yeah. bad. And I, yeah. I, I was hoping they would kind of go the route of like not like I liked how they uh, they did that thing where they electrocuted <laughs> him hilarious. by touching the doorknob and connecting, and so then they like knocked him out. And I was like, oh, that's cool because it's like. At least like, yeah. we can just sort of stun the dog and have him be taken out of the action. We don't have to have like the dog be hurt, you know, and stuff kind of unnecessarily. Cause mm-hmm. he wasn't even, he, they even had him look good. Like they didn't ugly him up and put yeah. like blood he or mud cute, on he, him. He didn't he, get the he, effect. Like, he was like a puked up. Like, yeah. He was, he was, he was all yeah. bathed and clean and shiny. All good cute. Coat. Yeah, exactly. So this is like, Oh, I know. Yeah, that so almost that the, almost made it worse yeah. when he just kind of fell out and just kind of went. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it just it almost made it worse. Yeah, just like yeah. But no, but so for the end of the movie, and I, I, I fully endorse your points, John. About like we don't have that moment where any of the people under the stairs are wrapped up in a blanket by the EMS and taken off and do whatever else. But I also honestly think that. Having them come out and having them just like kind of walk away from it, I think that's for me anyway. The vibe that I got was like, well, well, but here's the but here's the community. This is just we're we're back out and we're back part of the community again. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're not special. We're not treated different. It's just we're back. We have the place where we're able to 
exercise our own judgments and our own decisions. We can just go out, we can just do whatever we want. Good, bad, or otherwise, it, only the future will tell, right? But like, we're at least out in a place where it's like, if I want to eat, I can eat. If I want to sleep, I can sleep. If I want to poop, I can poop. I can do just, I can make my own decisions again. And which is why I thought for me, not having that big swoop in where it's like, here, you're going to be protected. Like I, that's like, that's why I love that. It was like, I, you aren't protected. Cause that's yeah, just real so life. You just go out, just go out and see what happens. No, I agree. You know? I agree. But um, some of those people that, were like, uh, then the movie, I, that's why I loved it. We're that's like why orcs basically. <laughs> they were like, they were like creatures at that point. Like the guy with yeah, the leather He needs some guidance. Totally. He needs some social services, but you're right. No, I know. <laughs> no but I no, I totally. I know. Mm-hmm. It is. It is cool though the way that they're just like woohoo, like they just like take off. They're like, all right, we're out of here. <laughs> no, that is. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, let's the guy let's the- digest our freedom and then see what happens from there. And I mm-hmm. that's yeah. Yep. If I need help, I need help. Totally fine. Was, but like he, just he that first breath of fresh air just all of them. The yeah. guy with the mask oh, okay. in the background. So yeah. what happens tomorrow? Yeah. He was Yeah. Well, that's the worst part is it was a mask and you could totally tell like the whole movie. I mean, there was a scene where he comes out of a, he comes out of a vent, like in a, in one of the, it made out of like, the rooms. And it's like, you can see the skin, strings. Right? It was, like the, yeah. Either like a human skin like a, yeah, like a leather mask. Well, yeah, it was the leather face. No, it was moment, supposed it was like, to was be. It on, was it on purpose or was it just like a Yeah, yeah, it was supposed to be scary. Thing. And it was scary. <laughs> like, I don't know. But it was a little I don't bit know. weird because he was the only one who did that. And so I was like, "Is he? what's his deal? Maybe know? he like, okay. made okay. it fuck okay. with his face. Maybe yeah. cut off his nose or something. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. But the, yeah, no. It was, it's a good movie, it's obviously. Good movie. Yeah. Overall. We had a nice two-hour chat about it. <laughs> I know. You were like, I don't know if you said this, uh, Zombie, in uh, if we were recording or not, but you were like, we don't have to talk about this for like two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, I'm, I'm sorry. When I come on, we always talk about, we always talk for longer than the movie is, and I'm sorry. Yeah, it's a guy. <laughs> I don't mean it to happen, but we just we get talking and the ideas come up, the thoughts come up, and sometimes you just gotta not at all. You gotta see where no, it goes. We, I wasn't mm-hmm. doing anything with it. Anyway. So I do apologize for robbing you of so much of your life. Kind of, <laughs> like the, the episodes have been getting longer and longer. As <laughs> they <been> really going. <laughs> have. I think when I started, they were kind of like. 50 to like 60 minutes. And no, then like an were, hour and a half. Now. Yeah. Then it was like an hour and a half. Then like two hours. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also, we yeah, but we've also, we've also been having more people on talking team, about so the movie. That's, that's also part of it. Yeah. I like we, we, we did, yeah. So, that's some man, so for he probably cut that off. Other people are excited too. 
Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. No. Yeah. All the future stuff coming out. I mean, uh, hell yeah. You can't have you can't have the future without the past, right? And uh, uh, so much of this stuff, it's like, I I hope at some point in the future yeah, somebody right. remakes He's, this uh, movie. Producing it, I think. Well, only wasn't the, Jordan only... Peele attached to like remake it? That's coming out soon, I think, too. I I he, think so. I think so. And so I've got his, my I got my what, fingers uh, crossed. Uh, but his movie, what was? Uh, nope. Uh, not nope, but the one before. Uh, Get out. <clears throat> no, no, the other one, the Hands Across America one. That's uh oh um, us us. Yeah. I mean, us. in a in a sense, a little bit of uh, people under us. the stairs. Oh yeah, us. kind of yeah. a story, us. right? I mean, we've got the. The people who live in the underneath area oh, who are kind of, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A of a yeah, I suppose it kind of is. Yeah. Too, probably with the stories, I think. You know, you've got the haves and the have-nots and the separation. Mm-hmm. Well, and the nice, you know, the nice part about horror <laughs> is that, I mean, I've seen 75,000 horror movies, right? Um... And I, as a horror fan, I, I'll be honest, I'm waiting Exciting for the next stuff. evolution. And I think the Jordan Peele's, the Ari Aster's, the, the, Blum, the Blumhouse stuff, the A24 stuff, I, I, the Ty West. Like, there's always somebody who's going to give us that, like, pole vault into the next evolution. Um, it, 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 there you go. Mm. So it's like... So who's going to be the, you know, who's going to be the first guy to walk on the moon? You know, I, I and I, and I'm always waiting to see what happens, but uh, there's a lot of it that it's like, it's so fun to go into the past and just like find these things that were like, for me, this movie, people under the stairs, I saw this as a junior in high school. Um, and I was used to nineties movies that were full of the three B's babes, mm-hmm. boobs, and blood. That's And this had some blood, but it didn't have any of the other things at all. I mean, there was no babes, definitely no boobs. Um, but I, I honestly think that People Under the Stairs was probably one of the very, very early social commentary movies, because this definitely had some social commentary in it. And, and skipping George Romero and all the stuff that he did, um, like, this was like, this wasn't even subtle about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they weren't even oh, a yeah, little bit subtle. It was just like, hey, there's some fucking problems. Let's see what we can do to fix them, you know? Um, But which is also why I think it wasn't super popular. And I don't think, I think, I don't think people wanted to hear the message back then, you know? And maybe if they, maybe if they had, you know, things in general would be a little bit different, maybe a little bit better, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, horror, horror movies are the pulse of America. For as much rom coms and drama and all the bullshit that we well, have, historical we've shit, whatever else, horror too, movies have, tend like, to tell like, what's scary the state of affairs. And that's what horror country. movies are going to be. They about. tend to tell yeah. that. The social. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And a lot of times it's, it's real life, yeah. right? It's well, like that's... what's outside your front door. Like you just open the door and just go, nope, and close it again. Yeah. Yep. Well, for a while there, it was definitely it was, wow. it was so, terrifying. Someone yep. I can't remember kind <laughs> so, of famous yeah. talked about how no, but it's, monsters and horror are basically the things in social, society social that anxieties, like, right? anxieties that people don't want to talk about or face, and so they 
you know, appear as monsters in mm-hmm. stories, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, I, like I mentioned earlier, I would associate this movie most closely yep. with Candyman, it's- which has came out around the same time and very much has the same type of, it deals with social issues in poor communities. And, you know, the thing with Candyman is that in the movie, the lore is that we don't know if Candy, we don't think Candyman is a real thing. Candyman is just something that's used to cover up violence and murders in in these poor communities. And then you find out that Candyman is actually a real mm-hmm. monster. But like, yeah, you, this movie and that movie both are dealing directly with yeah. that, that issue for sure. Yeah. And yeah, maybe my, could be part of why it's not as popular. Cause it's not nightmare on Elm street where it's just right. like kids running away from, I mean, nightmare on Elm street makes its own points and things, social commentary, but Ultimately, you've got Freddy chasing teenagers around, murdering them. Uh, and this movie is definitely not that traditional right. horror movie, you know, especially for the night. No. Hmm. No. No, and with Candyman, I mean, Candyman was... I mean, if you if you break Candyman down to what it was, it was, it was telling the world why a black child should matter. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Um, and if you, cause I'm somebody who I'm somebody, when you have a conversation, I try to take most of that race stuff away. Cause I just don't care. You're either an asshole or you're not an asshole. I don't care what color you are. Um, but for, for its time, it put that in a harsh perspective. And I don't think, I don't think that people gave that, that movie and its message like enough, like do pause people stopped and went, wait a minute here. Um, mm-hmm. Because, and John is absolutely right. Talking about, talking about people that were poor, talking about the, forgive me, the slums of the ghettos that they lived in, you know, talking about Cabrini Green and then talking about the one thing at the time that, that people, that culture, that group didn't want is they did not want somebody white coming in and saving them, you know? And I think, this movie people under the stairs has got some similar tones Mm -hmm. to it where it's like, and because now we're at a point where we have a black person saving a white person, you know, but with the ultimate goal of saving the community. So it's like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how it all mixes up and turns into a soup. I don't, I don't know. I'm not even going to pretend to know, Um, Mm -hmm. but it's such a serious topic, but this was done 30 years ago, you know? So, I mean, we've been, we've been talking about this stuff. But people collectively have not been hearing hearing what's happening. Yeah. So we got some problems to fix. I'm pretty sure we're not going to fix them tonight, but maybe maybe tomorrow. Tomorrow yep, we'll work on uh, all, all of that stuff was very pronounced even when the Candyman yeah. remake came out recently. A lot of people yeah. were m- missing the, the messaging as well. Well, and that was, a fa- that was a fantastic movie, but there was a message. That was, and I... As a horror fan, I heard it. As a suburban white guy, I heard it too. Um, but I don't think people. Well, that's. And then I don't think people stop and listen. They just Jordan don't stop and listen. You know, topics so, basically still telling real stories. Basically, yeah. you know. 
That's the thing. And we've talked about this in previous podcasts and something that's always worth bringing up is that horror horror movies and sci-fi movies, uh, one of their strengths is being able to talk about social issues in a way that doesn't put people off because you can have a cool horror movie or a cool sci-fi movie or TV show. There's a lot of misdirection going on. There's just a lot of like pizzazz and gore and Mm -hmm. boobs and, so you can talk about the social issues and, and, you know, it's not, if you made just a straight up movie about a poor community where, you know, it was tough to get by, people would just be like, eh, I don't know if I want to watch a drama about. Yeah, exactly. Documentary. Know. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> you know, but people will watch a horror or a sci-fi movie yeah. about that kind of thing. And, you know, it's like <laughs> District 9, you know, it's oh, like right. a story about. Uh, you know, Four aliens, was it? Well, but it's like, um, oh, I should be, I can't even mm. think of the right word, but that term, uh, ah, whatever. But anyways, just, yeah, apartheid and, and that kind of thing that it deals with that. And, but it's Ap- done in a apartheid way. Apartheid is what you're looking for. And, you know, yep. so it makes it more, nice. so you more palatable that. for people. And that's you know what that's what this movie and Candyman are doing in a lot of ways. Too. Well, absolutely. I mean, it's it's a it's very difficult to face you know harsh truths, especially when you know mm-hmm. you're you're sort of benefiting from mm-hmm. them. But when you put them, when you wrap them up with a horror bow, mm-hmm. that goes down pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Well, that's always the hard part, though, because I look at a movie like Nope, right, where you know. The message there, at least to me, was uh, it, when you look at it and sit about it and think about it later, the message is pretty clear. Right. But when I'm watching the movie, I am not thinking mm-hmm. to myself, I'm watching a black horror movie. I'm thinking to myself, I'm watching a fucking masterpiece. That's all I think about. Because that movie was a masterpiece. It was a great fucking movie. So, but it always makes me ask the question, and this is just, this is just me saying this, like, am I missing something? Or moreover, am I part of the problem like i don't think i am because i like i paid money to go and see this movie and i thought it was fucking great but i don't think of it as a fucking great black movie i think of it as a fucking great movie so maybe i'm uh, contributing to the problem and i I just just, i'm at a point in our side i don't know that's all fine i just don't know and i would i would like like to know it's just that but it's don't. cool that these stories exist because then it can put these ideas and concepts out there mm-hmm. and and talk about them in a way that is like entertaining for yeah. people and spark conversation and do what we're doing right now and actually talk about these things. Uh, that's kind of the point. Like it's not necessarily that it's going to solve something or yeah. have solutions for people. It's just like bringing it brings, the problem to the foreground. Yeah, yeah. It's bringing the issue up and not just ignoring it or pretending that it doesn't exist. You know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and maybe that's just it. Is that it keeps us talking, and and we might not all agree at every. You know, every impasse we come to, but maybe at least we're, we continue to talk. Maybe that's the point, is we just keep talking. Well, and to round and to round this out, and, and from a horror fan, and, and I mean this sincerely, am am I doing the horror community the community a disservice by by saying that a movie like Nope is not a great black film that it's just a great film? 
All right. Well, looking ahead, uh, next week we'll be wrapping up Plutophobia with the Mask of the Red Death, uh, which is a nice. Roger Corman flick from the 1960s. Uh, also stars Vincent Price and Hazel Court. So it should, should be a good one. Oh. But uh, on that note, that will do it for us here tonight on Hand the Whisker. Again, I want to thank Zombie Grindhouse for uh, coming back to guest on the show again. And we will see you guys back next week for The Mask of the Red Death. Enjoy your weeks, and we'll see you then. See ya. <laughs>